being said, since yeah. we've already started the conversation, I think uh, we'll do a show. Yeah, we're doing a show. All right. It's and this is my dramatic opening music that somehow I turned down. I was Brian does all the tech. Did you, yeah, look at me and my cell phone doing all the tech. But Thank there's God, a lot of other here. stuff that goes to it. I mean, but we've already talked about this. It is it's ridiculous. I, I'm carrying. Yeah, I basically at this point, for me being a tech guy, I'm like the guy that's still walking around with laser discs and VHS, yeah. and everybody yeah. else is. Oh, you're one. Got you, everything yeah. hooked up into like a something a, a microchip. You get into I'm, Brian's car and both visors have CD. Uh, <laughs> no CD things. No, on. and I and I. I never like two things. I never did in my life. I never hung a high school graduation tassel from my car. rearview mirror, yeah, or college. Um, oh yeah, and I, I also wanted, never, I never hung wanted it. to be, remind myself of of ever yeah going into institutions. You know, <laughs> no and way. I, al- I also never used a compact disc as one of the things that I hung off. The oh thing yeah, yeah, no, those are blinding. Big. That was big in the Latino cab <laughs> cab driving community. <laughs> ah, a lot of the CDs. And then and, you know, with the with the Jesus paraphernalia, <laughs> yeah. Was it a dancing? Was it the uh, what are those things Man, called? The little dancing Jesus, the hula like Jesus, hulas, yeah. Oh, like the hula Jesus, hula, hula Jesus, the Jesus. There's Jesus bobbleheads. That's yeah, something that moves or, or a dog or whatever. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous, by the way. I am uh, Brian Irwin. I'm John Huck. And let's get to it, Johnny Boy. Our guest today, um, whew, uh, actor. <laughs> Hilarious human, uh, SNL alum, uh, podcaster, podcaster, <laughs> exciting, uh, Chicago sports fan. Ooh, yes, yes. Except Horatio. the White Sox. Hor- I was just going to ask you across the okay, board, or you have okay. your pick. Man, I hate to hate the White Sox, and they're going to be good this year. But uh, their fans were such dicks when they won, and we hadn't won yet. Yep. That I can't forgive them. Ah, Horatio Sands, everybody. That means you didn't grow up on the um, South Side, correct? <laughs> What an intro. Was that the best part of the intro? No. But one year, I did go to both opening days. So okay. I went to the Cubs opening day at like 1, and then I went to like the Sox opening day like at 6. So the same day. Yeah. How many so I was a Sox fan at, at some point, but then it, it went away. Are you? Well, I, I feel like since I moved to Los Angeles, I've been out here 20 years, and they the Sox won in 2005, obviously. My dad was from the South Side. He got to see that. That was kind of special, but like it didn't really. It was like okay, it happened, and we moved on pretty quick. Um, but I kind of lost my hatred because I used to, as a kid, it was like despised the White Sox, like really didn't like them. Well, we've been so good lately, and obviously we won, we won in two two zero one six. Oh that, yeah, uh, the best. Then now you just yeah yeah you let go of a lot of hatred. I think <laughs> I think a that lot of hatred had, just lifted w- off me. Winning cures all for a lot of things, right? It kind of does, especially. Well, I really think. The Cubs being losers affected me personally, and it affected my life because I, there was always a certain amount of losing I expected, just out of everything. Yeah, no matter what. I knew I knew some things certainly were going to be a dead end because of the Cubs, and I think I carried that with me even as I was succeeding. I was going to say, but but through <laughs> because the Cubs, your your SNL years, the Cubs were not good. No, they uh, lost in the playoffs, I believe, and I was on the show. And I cried. Uh, and, uh, which, which was that play, the was Bartman this? years, or was that the it previous the one Bar- when they played the? Well, the I was on Barlins. SNL from '98 to to 2006, so it should. It, yeah, did they get two, in the playoffs any time then? Three was in there. That was okay. The so maybe Bar- that's when it was. I, and, I, almost, and I had a, like a breakdown of like, I had like almost a nervous breakdown where I was like talking to my girlfriend. I'm like, I just, I'm a fucking loser. We're fucking losers. <laughs> 
And it was just so stupid and ridiculous, and I was actually tearing from anger and disappointment. So it's it's funny that you bring that up because that, that's the one thing about, like, you know, the state of Wisconsin, obviously, it's Packers oh, and yeah. everything Brian's below from it. Wisconsin, by the way. But, I, I, but I, I was born in Glenview, Illinois, and so I had I was raised a Cubs fan, and then Cable kept me a Cubs fan because I was on GN the whole time. Yeah, Cubs um, and Bozo. Huh? Yeah. yeah Cubs age. and Bozo, yeah. Get in the bucket. Where's Cookie? Same, same channel. Yeah. <laughs> By the Not way, coincidence. I can't remember for you guys, old Comiskey Park, or am I too old for you guys? Like no, the, old, yes, definitely old Comiskey. I've Park. never been. So you to had. I never went to the. I never went to the old Comiskey. Did you ever go to? Old yes, Comiskey? I did. Was uh, was it as as big of a shithole as everybody talked about it? Or kind it? of. It was very like if. It was if if like a someone had to make an amazing prison baseball stadium, <laughs> that's what Comiskey Park if looked like. They made like. the longest yard, but for baseball, like just no frills, just you know, really just dark greens everywhere, <laughs> horrible old stuff. Uh, I remember walking down underneath the bleachers, and they had like a pitching machine that was dusty and pushed against the wall, and this is like during the season. Yeah. Oh. So it's just like they're no longer. Letting kids throw balls through holes, you know, they're just like, <laughs> and it was just dark. I'm like, this is like a fucking prison, man, like the underbelly of a prison. And years later, I went to a, there was a, a traveling Hall of Fame thing that landed in uh, Chicago, a, a baseball Hall of Fame, like a traveling thing, and they had like the the ticket gate from Comiskey Park, and it was like prison bars, <laughs> painted over, literally like 16 times. So they had a chip in it, and you could see it looked How, like a. Like a jawbreaker. <laughs> like if you break open a jawbreaker with all the different colors that they painted <laughs> in a hundred years. You yeah. Know? It's, they it's didn't take it off. Forever. So it was just like these prison bars with this awful green paint over it. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's Comis- good old Comiskey Park. But I was going to say, so growing growing up in uh, partially in Illinois and then moving to Wisconsin, still carrying over, it does start with the Cubs. You were talking about the mindset of like the lovable loser thing and how it – and I know they've done documentaries of how it really genuinely does affect people, yeah. how they see the world, which is very interesting. The Cubs are that powerful in that area. Like the, conf- like, the like the confidence of me as opposed to the confidence of a Yankees fan. Right. Who's got 27 World <laughs> yes. Series behind them. Now, the interesting point, but I think the only reason the Indians made it to the World Series that year was because the Cavaliers won a championship, and Wait, then the whole the Cavaliers, yeah, the whole city of Cleveland kind of like stood up and was like, "Oh, oh, we can win. We're not, we're not all pieces of shit." You know what I mean? That's like kind of yeah. the, the whole. We're city. not just the, the Browns. Exactly, and, and we're not just forever. the Browns. The Cavs were a joke for a very long time, and then obviously the Indians were. They made major league. I mean, come on, it's like yeah, yeah. They were they were a mocked organization, and they still haven't won. But at the same time, I don't think they'd have been there if the whole city didn't sort of True. take the hump out of it. But back. Chicago is different in the fact that it had Michael Jordan, it had yeah. the Bulls, it was Walter like extreme Payton. success. I mean, yeah, it had Walter Payton, but I mean, they weren't they didn't win a well, lot, that, but yeah, they did. That's what they kept had... us, I guess, from all committing suicide. Yeah, that's okay. why that's why right, they didn't okay. have a Jones Town massacre. <laughs> that kept of... us alive was that the Michael Jordan years. Also, I, you know, I guess if you were a kid that grew up in the '90s, you don't have that same perspective because you had the Bulls. Uh, Blackhawks eventually won. Um, you know the Bears haven't been great, but they're not they're not re- they're not the bottom of the barrel either. So like, yeah, you can always go and watch the Super Bowl shuffle online yeah. and feel a little bit. <laughs> that's better it. About that's what it. makes you feel. That's what makes you feel good. The Super Bowl yeah, shuffle. Man, yeah. But I feel like like my brother's kid was born in 2016. She doesn't know a world without a Cubs having a World Series title. Like, she may know. I mean, we don't know. You never know. For the rest of the time. 
No. Right? Enjoy it you when know, you get I, it, I, man. I'm still enjoying it, dude. Holy shit. Oh, Look, I'll enjoy it till I die. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's all and I, I don't And I don't expect another one in, for another 108 years. That's how big a loser I am. No, dude, I think, I think, I think there's going to be. I either. guess that's good enough, everybody. Sorry. I think sorry we won, you guys. Yeah, totally sorry you got in the way to one year. No, I disagree. I think you're going to see this Grandpa Rossi coach move is going to be like having a player manager. It's going to be very beneficial. I think it's going to work. I think We're, it's going to work. They got to do the pajamas thing more often. They, they lost their pajama fun last year. But they didn't do that? They didn't I do their... I don't remember them doing the thing, but um, they... And if they did do it, they were doing it less than the time they won. I think they're losing the fun somehow. Yeah, well, that was why. I mean, Madden. It was. It was. I didn't. I didn't. Didn't love the decision to get rid of him, but I also didn't think it was that far. He did his job. He way. was brought in to a, do a very specific thing, and he did it. Yeah, that's how you should always look at that. Yeah, and and honestly, if if like Theo said, if they we had been deep in the playoffs, that would have been a different conversation. You know what I mean? But. We didn't even make the playoffs. And that, as a Cubs fan, just to say that and be mad about that is kind of funny. We didn't even make the <laughs> Like, that right, was like right. 35 years of my life was like, well, we of course we didn't make the playoffs. We, didn't, last, we, we knew April last, 5th last, there was going to be last, no playoffs. Second to last, last <laughs> every fucking year. <laughs> but, like you said, I mean, I, that 2016, you couldn't have written that in a script and passed it off as an actual ending for a, oh, it was so for a movie. Yeah, it was great. Um, and the Hawks have won too. So. Yeah, the Hawks have won two, three in the last. They went three and I meant also, four. but yeah, um, I'm getting back into the Hawks now because they were they were kind of crappy last year. But I jumped on the bandwagon, back on. Yeah, I just got the, right, I right just around got Thanksgiving. The, I got the NHL ticket last night because they oh. cut the price in half. Smart move. So I was like, ooh, Very nice. and then you can share that shit. So like, I give it to my brother and like whatever. With what five people? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope it's not just five. You don't have one of those illegal boxes from back in the eighties. Um, what are those things? What they're called uh, on TV? Well, the, the, it was the crack boxes, right? Like, dude, I, I, my brother can get you one of those boxes. And yeah, it'll, they, well, they were. It'll, they, it'll break in, we and didn't you'll have get that in my neighborhood. <laughs> it's unfortunate. What you were those called? They were called like there was. I forget what they were called, but like it, it was like a black box though. And you and felt like if you, and there, half the people were scared to do it, which is funny now the way the world has evolved. That if you put that on, you were tracked by the government. Yeah, Truth. that's what they're doing, tracking you through cable. Oh, but was it the cable? It was a cable. It was a cable. It was a decoder box. Decoder, you guys, that was you guys yeah, the suburbs had box. cable. I lived in in the city. There was no cable until like 1985 or something. Oh, really? Yeah, we were the last family in the burbs to get yeah. cable. Rocky Three was on. We had that box on TV, which was a movie channel that played, but when we got it, I remember it played that Village People movie with Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> and I watched that fucking thing like five times because I'm like, oh, That's man, we're getting movies here. That's right. What we put up with, yes. <laughs> and then the other one was Dude. sports, which was the White Sox. That was like Bulls. Spect Spectrovision uh, yeah, or whatever. Because yeah. Spect, that was, I never saw White Sox games on TV. We didn't have Spectrovision. I never got I any of White Sox were on Channel 44. They yeah, were. Sorry, we're going to go deep here into Chicago lore. But <laughs> they were on Channel 44, WSNS. But is that right? I don't know. I don't know, man. I Blackhawks and Sox I never saw on TV. Channel 44, Channel 32, Son of Svengooley, which they by went the way, he's on the internet. Yeah, they, they went, so when cable did finally come to, uh, to the city, yeah, they left Channel 44. Channel 44 became like Latino, I think. It went Latino. <laughs> 44 went Latino, 26 went Latino. <laughs> There's a lot. 66 played videos for a long time. <laughs> That's hilarious. Channel 32. And everything went over to Channel 32, and then everything went off. Did you guys ever, ever like, 
steel cable? Like you ever like move plugs around up on a roof? You mean to like physically that? walk up and do it? No. Yeah. My buddy in, in college uh, had a cable running up from his neighbor and was like coming it down to his TV. And he was like, he never did anything wrong. He wasn't a drug user. He barely, you know, he drank, but like not, nothing crazy. Right. He was like a pretty straight-laced dude. But this cable thing was like, I was like, oh, cool, you're stealing cable. Great. I had no, I didn't think anything of it. Every time a cop would drive by the street, he would run out and undo the cable and bring it all in. <laughs> and I was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, well, the I go, cable cops. you think the fucking cops care about you for the fucking thing? I go, and this is Ashland, Wisconsin. This is like middle of, you know, we're on Lake Superior. There's fucking nothing around there. I'm like, dude, there's no way. No way. They're, they wouldn't even know what that is. They'd be like, that's just shitty wiring. You're like, they're not going to know. They're not interested. It was so When funny. I finally moved to L.A. for good after, you know, years of going back and forth, I, uh, from I, Chicago? I, from no, from uh, New York. Oh, uh, I, I got. I, I was renting a place, and I had a real like goofy neighbor. She's an older woman. Out here. Out here, yeah. yeah. And she was just like one of these, uh, you know, tough, tough old lesbian ladies. And she was like, um, "So I got cable. Well, so last time, last guys that were here, we share shared the cable. So we're gonna share cable." And like just, just like splitting things, like because she lived next door. Which is, if anyone's looking at an apartment, don't live in an apartment where the where the landlord landlords anywhere near you. No, not on the premises. Uh uh-uh. uh Because she would just like you know tell us how to you know tell us about what's up with our dogs and stuff. And well, I only had one dog, but so she was just a real pain in the ass. But anyway, yeah, she wanted to split cable, and I was like, no way, I'm not gonna split cable with my fucking. Landlord, landlord, yeah. and then I have I have like money manager, you know, and they're gonna be like, "What's up? What do you need, do you need to split the cable bill? Are you okay? Who's Edith? <laughs> Why are you sharing something with a woman named Edith Lasco? I have a money manager. I, hey, uh, just noticed this splitting cable bill. What what's happening? Yeah, we split a hot tub too. It's pretty weird. <laughs> uh, you're gonna get that bill soon. We're, but that's such an old old school person. Like we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna split some stuff up. We're gonna split these it's on this. Her stuff. not like, wanting to pay the whole fucking bill. Well, that yeah. too. But and then yeah. she's a cheap ass who owns like fucking fifty buildings because yeah. she bought them you know twenty yeah. years ago when everything was crappy. Yep, slumlord. <laughs> yeah, she's a fucking slumlord and a cable thief. Slumlord. So were, you, were you out in L.A. before you were in New York? Uh, no. You went Chicago to New York. Yeah, I never pulled the trigger. I was about to. In Chicago, I was like, ah, I got to get out of here some way or another. Meaning, luckily, because you felt you'd kind of reached. I'd reached the top of what I wanted to do at Second City. I, well, no, because let me get this straight for the history books. <laughs> this is a very critique. My mom listens to this podcast. Okay, She's... mom, here we go. <laughs> She's what taking ha- notes. What had happened was that I was in the touring company for many years, about five. So I was like, you're either going to promote me or I'm going to move to L.A. I'm not going to have an argument, and I'm not lying. <laughs> That's just the, the, the reality is you promote me or, or I'm leaving. And he goes, my boss at the time was like, well, you know, I can't, I can't guarantee anything like that. You know, I go, well, talk to the owner and tell him I'm leaving <laughs> and tell me what he says. Wait, the owner of what? The, t- wait, the owner of Second City. Okay, okay. Andrew uh, Alexander. And so uh, my boss said, okay, uh, well, I mean, you know, he, he didn't want to involve him, but I kind of made him get involved. And uh, my boss is like, yeah, Andrew says uh, you'll get the next promotion. 
So as soon as one opened up in ETC, Second City, I got the job. And then it was those shows that I did that got me finally seen by SNL. Oh, wow. This is still in Chicago at the time? Still in Chicago, yeah. That's great, though. And then, you know, I was friends with uh, Jeff Richmond and Tina Fey because Jeff, they're married, but uh, Jeff Richmond was a musical director for my last couple shows at Second City. So I knew Tina from growing up, you know, being in the improv scene. So I went to, I I was, we were going to a Super Bowl thing at her house and we were walking there and uh, I said, I'm thinking of quitting. I guess this is before my big confrontation. (laughs) I'm thinking of quitting and going to LA and she's like, no, don't do that. Because, uh, you know, I don't know what you'll be doing in L.A. And I can't send people to go see you if you're not doing anything. Uh, and, you know, you look great in this show, so stay here and just do a show, and then people will come out and see you. And that's what happened. Wow. So I was thinking of quitting, and she kind of said, don't quit, because then I can't send people to look at you in your best Oh, she was already gone, so she was already... She was a writer. Out. She hadn't been on yet. She hadn't been a, a celebrity She was yet. a writer for a few years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was still a writer, and then, yeah, she said, I, you know, if you're not doing a show here, it's going to be tough to have you It's seen. harder to get people to go to L.A. It's just farther away. Or, or just, they come to Chicago and they go to the same places. They go to UCB, well, not UCB, uh, they go to Second City, they go, they, we used to go to Annoyance, they'll go to Improv Olympic. So it's just a matter of time when you're going to get seen. But I was like, I'm not going to, because I was on tour the last time SNL came. So uh, I missed that entire, I missed that whole thing. Did anyone get picked out of that? Uh, yeah, Keckner. Oh, wow. Keckner, I think, and uh, I'm missing someone else. Oh, and... Uh, Oh, anyway, yeah, a, well, couple guys, a couple guys. A couple guys that Kechner's year great. got in, yeah. and uh, yeah, Techner's awesome. And so, but I was uh, I was out of town on a gig, and I was just like, God damn it, oh, I'm dude. never gonna get out of here. That's that sucks. though. you're you're making money out of town, but you would rather be at another place. Well, That's, it's the advancement part of it, right? That's therein lies the. But I feel that it kind of worked in my favor anyway. Well, obviously it worked out, but uh, it worked in my favor in a way because then I had. Two more years of just getting good. Yeah. Getting better, yeah. getting better, getting better. Until the point where I felt like at Second City, I was one of the stars of Second City. So I was kind of pretty confident at that yeah. point. So, so maybe I, ha- I wouldn't have been as good in the audition had it happened three years earlier. You were confident. You said you were confident going into your audition? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, finally. Because I'd, at that point, I was 27, 28. So I'd, I'd been doing it for like a long time. Wow, dude! How long? How how many years did you say you're doing? So then I was on SL for eight years. But how many years did you do improv before? Are you talking? If you were 28, <sighs> took, are you talking like since you were 18? Uh, well, I took classes when I was 16. Wow! At the Players Workshop, there was like a teen teen class. What then, even made you want to do that? Oh, because when I was little, I loved SNL, and I was really like Boom. always admired and loved, idolized SNL and all the people. Who were your favorite? Uh, Belushi and Aykroyd, yeah. Yeah. Bill Murray, and they were from Second City, so I was like, "That's where I gotta go." Like I was like a, you know, a pigeon that was just coming. You li- You said you grew up in the city or outside the city? In the city. In the city. Okay. I could take a bus to Second City. Okay. It was a long ride because I was way out west, but uh, it was like a forty-minute, forty-five-minute bus ride. Um, and you were doing that as a teenager. Well, no. Then I stopped. I was like, "That's silliness." I'm going to be a lawyer or... Yeah, exactly, uh, because or, at one point we all think, like, well, you yeah. can't just go be a fucking <laughs> comedian. You can't just go make people laugh. Yeah, no, no one does this from my neighborhood. 
And the nearest celebrity in my neighborhood that I know of was uh, Mary Gross and then her brother. Okay. And they were still a few miles north. <laughs> okay. And I mean, they weren't in my yeah, hood. Yeah, they weren't next door, yeah. My hood didn't have many white people in it when I was growing up. Yeah. So I was like, no one does this. You know, no one makes it out here. But my brother was doing plays in college. He's he's like six years older than me. So I got to see him kind of do it, and it made it more believable. It made it more like a attainable thing. Like, oh, he's uh-huh. doing plays, and that's... That's part that's of something. what that is. Yeah. 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 I went and saw him all the time and really loved it. And then he finally put me in a play years later. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, so so I had a couple great things like that happen where... I was just like, yeah. It made it seem possible. It really felt like that thing of if I don't do it, who's going to do it? Like, you know, I know. And also the diversity thing was always in the back of my mind. I'm like, you know, there's no Latinos in there. There's like, I'm a fat guy and a Latino, and there's no fat guys now because Farley had left years before, but he had also passed the year before. So I was like, all right, timing's good. They could use a fat guy. I'm Latino. It's bonus. And uh, and you'd been working your ass. And I've been off working my it. ass yeah. off for seven years. Yeah. yeah. So seven years. Yeah, that's what. So okay. basically, I I I, st- I got in the I got hired by Second City when I was twenty one. Wow. Are you still were you at college at this time? No, I didn't go to college. You did. You just you actually had I not... did go to college. I went did. to Columbia College in Chicago okay. for like two years. So did you did you just commute or did you actually move in closer into the city? At that I could. Point? I just drove. Yeah. Okay. I just drove. So I never moved out of my house until I was twenty eight. Oh, okay. So you, okay. So you always you know move. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. I slept in the same bed with my parents like the beginning of Willy Wonka. <laughs> uh, Everyone's I, touching feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> until the, I was 28 and left and got hired by <laughs> Mr. Got Lorne my Michaels. own room. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. You know, listen to your story, and we've had quite a few other people on this show, um, some SNL alum and just some other like improv. I, I don't think people really understand how big of a talent pool has come out of Chicago. How much Chicago has had an influence oh, yeah. on the entertainment business, both on the East and the West Coast? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, because it's a Midwestern thing, there's not a lot of braggadocio, if you will, you know what I mean? But it has it, everyone talks about it in a very Midwestern matter-of-fact, look, this is how I did it way. But it is unbelievable how much has come out of Chicago. Yeah, from, there's from, a, you grow up kind of like, we're not bullshit artists. We know we're not airheads, and we're not dickheads like in new york yeah we're like the middle you know, ground we're, middle, we're cool we don't we don't fall for everything uh you know so you you know you grow up with this chip on your shoulder and i think that that makes you funny because you just you definitely have issues all well of, you know insecurities right. <laughs> so, you, so the whole someone, town has to make fun of other things someone pointed out too that the fact that we had like the midwest in general has a lot of you know snowy, cold, shitty weather that you can't be outside in. So you kind of retreat to the basement. And this guy, I said something to him, he goes, oh, basement humor. And I thought he was saying I was being lowbrow. And he was like, no, 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 what I mean is, where are you from? And I said, I'm from, you know, suburbs of Chicago. He goes, yeah, what'd you do in the winter when you and your friends couldn't, like, go outside? I goes, we sat in the basement and drank beers and fucked with each other and made fun of each other and busted balls and were just a pain in the ass in general. And he's like, yeah, that's basement humor. You get that. It's like kind of like I feel like a lot of that comedy comes out of that just from that. You know what I mean? Just the idea that like we had a really rich uh, selection of, uh, of of repeat television too. Uh, not to and not and including Three Stooges. Yeah, which were, were, are not really right. I mean, you could watch. I think you could. 
find you, them, but it's not like in Chicago every yeah. <laughs> they, every fucking day. Yes. Stooges. Yep. Yeah. Or, or you know the, that that hour that was half Stooges, half Little Rascals. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, just really, Chicago kind of is respectful of uh, old classical cultural uh, works. Yeah. So you know they were they the public television in Chicago played Ernie Kovacs when I was like ten. You know, and my father liked that, so I would watch Ernie Kovacs. I mean, all kind of comedy was just very pervasive in Chicago. Mostly, I think, because it was just, you know, TV for sure. I mean, you yeah. just got Genie, Monsters, Dude, you know, Monsters. every goddamn show. Yeah. So you're learning comedy in the basement or yeah. in your room yeah. because you have to watch cartoons and funny shows all day. Yeah. And I think a lot of us kind of did that in the summer, too. You know, you just watch a lot of television, and you go out, come back. You know, and you so also sort of like you can you start imitating the stuff, and you start kind of like if you see here see something funny, you're like, yeah. oh yeah, it was like this. I mean, I want I think if Looney Tunes didn't exist, ooh, we would be thirty years back in in comedy, That's because everybody watched those cartoons and learned how to like react to things yep. from watching comedically, yeah, to, to react comedically, yeah, yeah, like you get your thumb hurts. You gotta stick it in your mouth. Huge <laughs> fucking thing. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, and and you know, and all, and all like this, this, the richness of all those early cartoons that we all just like were lucky enough to, like you know, you think of Popeye, you maybe think of like a a 1960s version with the you know with the witch and shit. And you're like, yeah. this is terrible. Yeah. But in the 20s, I mean, it was it was a work of art. So we're watching like the greatest animation that was created in that day and we're just fucking around yeah in our houses watching this yeah but you know we're all taking it in like your 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 sophistication of what you're watching is getting bigger or getting you know higher and higher and higher and it gets more exciting as you like know more shit and you like you understand more shit like uh, when i was little i didn't like laurel and hardy I'm bringing this up again because we talked about it earlier because yeah. there's a lot of Laurel and Hardy stuff hanging yeah. on your walls. And, yeah. And only recently did I start really liking Laurel and Hardy because I, I thought they were me- like I thought that the I was like why is this fat mean guy always hitting this sweet guy? <laughs> and as a six year old or something, you know, you didn't like you didn't, it. I didn't yeah. like that. You know, the but Stooges you could watch were Stooges. all beating each other around. Yeah. You but felt it was too one sided. This is more emotionally like bullying. Yeah. Okay. At the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now I see that you know. Uh, it's uh, Laurel's a pain in the ass. Well, and, there and there are two guys that are just one of them is that one of them is legitimately <laughs> dumb and the other one is super dumb but thinks he's somehow right. smarter yes. than everyone. And you're yeah. like, oh my god! But you're both idiots, and that the dynamic is the genius act. Yeah, it's it's, genius v- it's act. very very funny, and it's very funny still. And and it's very funny still, and it's it did pave it laid groundwork for. The Farley Spades, the Ackroyds, the Belushis, the Cheeches and the Chongs, the, you know what I mean? Every yeah, kind of yeah, comedy. Talking, yeah, yep. I mean, Abbott and Costello, you go even farther back, but like, did you see the movie that they did? John C. Riley and um, uh, Steve Coogan, the Laurel and Hardy yes. film? Yes. Yeah, did you like it? It was great. Dude, I loved really it. Really great. I loved it. And those guys were amazing. Yeah, I knew it wouldn't win any, uh, uh, any awards because they're not, they weren't as damaged as they would need to have been for that to be right, yeah. more compelling. You know what I mean? Like It wasn't like, and then Oliver Hardy started shooting heroin, and he you know, murdered three people. At, no. Laurel gave Hardy a kidney, and he still, you know, because he had cirrhosis. And they loved each other so much that they both died. 
There's the tragedy. There it is. <laughs> but yeah, it, but it's, a, it's a slow tragedy. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, he drank a lot. But then again, they had fun when they were drinking, so you kind of don't see the problem. It's not right. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. okay, you're 70, you're married to a woman who's 30. Yeah. You want to have a couple cocktails? Go crazy. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Go crazy. <laughs> not slamming Jack Daniels and then, you know, fucking shooting off all your firearms at once. <laughs> We, uh, you were talking uh, comedy. Um, what did comedy evolve into for you? So you're referencing a lot of stuff that you saw, but like all of us, we start acquiring our style of comedy, our taste. Where did you think? Where did you see yours going? That evolved you into what you decided to do in Chicago. Well, because of Second City and um, and SNL and, Se- and SCTV, you know that was the SCTV. We don't talk about that enough. The triage. Yeah, dude. Not that not was triage. That was some funny <laughs> shit. Triage, isn't triage that like, is a- like where people? <laughs> Like the emergency a room at a hospital. Surgery, trifecta. something. The trifecta. <laughs> the trifecta is what I was looking for. Thank you. People are bleeding out. Uh, and you know, and I, and I, you kind of learn a language. You get, you learn a language of comedy that those guys had, obviously, because they all started at Second City. So when you get to Second City, we all have a certain language, a certain yeah. understanding. Like you, it's very rare that you get someone who's like a. I don't even know how to improvise. I'm just, I'm just funny, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> those people don't usually last very long. They at don't. Second they City. don't. They yeah. have to mellow out. They have to kind of learn. They can't. You know, you can't just like be too much of a show off. You have to wait for those moments to kind of and try to make them natural. I mean, improv is so much different than like just straight up acting or or stand up. You know or wigs, I mean? it's, yeah. wigs, and you know, sh- and, a, and, a, and a wardrobe change. But but also yeah, like, that's a Chicago style <laughs> deep dish. But also improv is wigs and no <laughs> deep dish. But not being I like you said, not pizza. being a show off and not being not trying to be too bi- not trying to be bigger than the group. Like you're a team. Yes. Yes. It's a team, and if you're not playing as a team, it's okay if you look good because then I could look good later. It's okay if Brian looks so. You know what I mean? We, and if you go for it too much, it's it's like. Oh, that's like crass. Yeah, you know? and you, it's like you it's should be able right. to feel that and be like, ooh. You know, there's, uh, you know, I, I don't really care for Tommy Lee Jones too much, but there's that story with him and Jim Carrey where he hated Jim Carrey, and Jim Carrey, like, just confronted him and kind of, like, I think just fucked around even more because he knew that. <laughs> and finally, he's like, why? Why do you hate me? And he's like, I can't sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> I can't sanction your buffoonery. And that's what I feel about 90% of comedy. <laughs> Are you, did you watch this? Did you watch this? No. No, I have not watched it. I cannot sanction that buffoonery. I cannot sanction that buffoonery. <laughs> oh, I but yes, every- but improv is very is very different. It's very different. And and complicated, you know, because you are dealing with a bunch of different personalities and yeah, and everyone has to find their. It's like a like a. It's gonna sound real corny, but <laughs> like the pistons of an engine. Everybody has to have their dude. Everyone has to get up and go down and go up. Yeah, and go in down sync to make the machine work. <clears throat> yeah, but, and then when when someone's when two people are funny and everyone else sucks, you're just not gonna have a good show. So yeah, and you've. I mean, look, I'm sure you've had. Some real doozies. I've had some real stinkeroonies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because when you're starting out, there's no other way to do it. Like you can't. Not every improv show is packed well, with an audience. Thing, the great thing like, about Improv Olympic is when you're learning, you're doing shows for each other, pretty much. Right. And then you'll bring your your buddies. brothers or your buddies, but they're all supportive. So in a way, it's a nice way to get comfortable on stage. Sort of moves you in. Not in front of real strangers. You're yeah. In front of people that support you and want you to be funny. Yeah. 
later in the game, you know, people want you to be funny. And but even now, we get a big break because people that come see improv usually want to see improv. Yeah, they're there. Yeah. They're there. They're there for, for the it. for the show. Like yeah. uh, Ask Cat was still very popular, so they're there. They're expecting a certain level of of improv. Yeah, and uh, oh, I just forgot where I was going. But can I ask you a question also, though? It's like, just getting in there is not enough, and sometimes just being funny is not enough, right? There is a, there is a you also have to get along with everybody. Like, there's that whole other layer. There's so it's, much. It's I so mean, much to just to, to survive it, correct? Yeah. I'm like, wow. Which I mean, is it's, probably it's, great. It's very, it's very much like you're like a living class. It's like you're an intern kind of, too. And you're learning not to step on toes. And you're learning not to be too much of a show-off. Because day one, you can't just roll in there and be like, right. all right, everybody, let's get this you going. You can't. No. Um, and is that what it was like? Was there like an old guard that when new people came in, did you did you was there was yes. there a very specific way yes. to navigate very, that world? Yeah, what happened is Improv Olympic got very popular, so you know uh, there were a lot of great guys there, including Keckner, Adam McKay, you know, and then they eventually started working at Second City. But they we were all at Improv Olympic before Second City, and Second City kind of came and just grabbed everybody from Improv Olympic, and it, it shook things up a lot because a lot of people that were getting jobs at Second City were getting jobs just because they worked there. You know, there was like the T-shirt guy had been there for three years and he's been taking improv classes, so he's in touring company. Right. Yeah. The guy who works in box office is taking classes. You know, so it was very much like loyal, but it was affecting the comedy Yeah. to a point where we weren't taking classes at Second City. We were going to Improv Olympic. So eventually... They got a newer guy in there, and he started. He was very, very UCB centric, and then wow. the, and the old guys had just kind of faded away, like the the people that weren't as good who were getting there because of some kind of a tenure, patronage. If you will. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so there is that. So it, it it is an interesting dynamic, and I wonder also. And again, who knows? I, mean, I, was, I, I have the same book over there, the live from New York book, and a lot of oh, it yeah. does talk about. Again, it's the same thing. Yeah, you get picked to go there, but again, navigating the waters of like you don't just show up and become the king of the castle. There is a process, and I wonder that having done what you had to do in Chicago to get through there, that that was actually also unknowingly yeah, a really it was like good the, training ground. Yeah, for like how a minor to, league yeah. of 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 politics. Yeah, uh, yeah, very much so. Very much so. So you, you know, you, you that's kind of your school is yeah. your, your learning. Uh, like like little things like there's a there's a rumor that that Mark Marin or somebody was in Lauren's office and Lauren has candy on his desk and that Mark Marin thought I'm just gonna grab a piece of candy and eat it as a move you know yeah and he didn't get the job and we were, and so people were like it's because he took Lauren's candy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's kind of those things where you just really have to tiptoe around <laughs> shit. You don't want to offend people. You don't want to come off as an asshole. So you, know? you hear all that stuff and you take that. You're like, yeah, okay. If I get in that room, I'm not eating exactly. the fucking candy. Exactly. So you absorb uh, all of that. And uh, you know, the, you know, they're like, you usually have to wait about two hours. He'll make you wait for like two hours when you first meet him. And I'm like, I'm in the fucking Lauren's. I'm like right outside Lauren's office and uh, like where the interns are. I'm fucking fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stay here for two days. Yeah. You know? So I was I, I was way ready and, and okay with that. And I and I've been very hyper vigilant about uh being 
you know, having manners. My dad was pretty strict with manners and stuff. So yeah. I, I kind of grew up also rebelling against that, but also having the tools to be very respectful. Yeah, I've never. You've never been in the in the news with a. And then Horatio Sands peed on a waiter. Or I like, certainly could have. Yeah, I mean, those stories happened, but uh, <laughs> luckily, no one was there. You know, a couple times it was reported in page six. A few of my drinking escapades. Oh, but other than that, no, no, I. I I mean, I'm I'm a crass performer, but I'm not a crass human being. Right. Yeah. 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 But I don't. Well, crass. And I mean, cr- I mean, crass in a. You'll go. You'll go. Like we all have our moments. You'll take things. You'll, I don't know. I don't. I don't look at it as crass necessarily. Because the because the because yeah, the sketches I'm thinking of were that you could, could maybe like. Like I don't even look the sketch where everyone's throwing up into each other's mouths, chewing the food and spitting it around. I can't remember who was in that cast or what, but there was a sketch on SNL where like she's chewing food and she literally spit food. Yeah, it's Will and uh, his family. They're bird like they're, they're they, they eat, like, eat like, birds. like birds. Yeah, and 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 I mean I was dying, but also at the same time gagging. <laughs> yeah, but I also don't think that was crass. I think it was like that was the point of the sketch. Like I don't know. I. I've, I don't find many things crass, so I don't. Can I take a step back and ask you about the 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 um, the con- how one like using Second City as an example? There's there's the creation of ideas. There's the getting it on stage. There's a, the getting it all worked. How does that process? I don't think we ever talked to anybody else about that. The actual process of your ideas and your willingness to do certain types or wanting or desires to do certain types of performances to showcase yourself. Yeah. How do you get to that point? Like, what is the process of something like Second City? To get well, there. Well, when you do Second City uh, as, a, as a touring company member, well, first you have to understudy, and that takes time for you to get into a company. So that's like the first thing you kind of get to get hired is one thing, then you have to get into a touring company. And uh, so that process is you, you show up to the rehearsals and you start becoming like familiar with the, with the material that each company is doing, which is like three companies. The problem was they gave you free booze. And Second City had this great thing where employees just got to drink for free. So the first day I, the first day I got to work there, Monday, I'm watching Second City, the best of Second City, the touring company, and I'm just getting loaded, you know. So every day I was supposed to watch improv, I was just drinking my balls off. So I wasn't really learning or I was not even, you know, doing anything to get on stage. I wasn't doing anything to get better. I was just getting trashed yeah. at Second City. So that's why I languished in, like, touring company for understudy for like two years uh and then i finally and then finally like um someone said yeah you're good quit fucking around pretty much you take, know like take you're, the, you're you good can, don't worry cut take, the shit take it serious yeah yeah you can you can make something out of this if you want to yeah <laughs> that's nice that someone yeah. said that to you and it, it, it's and, all and so, somebody oh, so else's how to, material, how to, and, and that's yeah, like, that's okay. how you start. Okay. You start, you start like doing scenes that, like, for instance, we were doing scenes that like Joel Murray was in. We started doing scenes that Farley was in. You know, all even even Belushi. You know, there's certain scenes that even Belushi did that still worked in the '90s. And then, uh, and then after that, you get on stage. You get a, you get an etc where you're writing. But also, we were writing in Turco. So when I got in Turco, eventually Matt Walsh and Ian Roberts got in with me so us three were writing a lot those two were writing a super amount so when they left to go to new york to do ucb for comedy central uh you know walsh was like you're gonna have to start writing man like had a really like a deep like hey man we're gonna leave and we're and and you're gonna not have any material so you gotta start writing man i'm like all right all right 
So they laughed and they took their material, which I, you know, I was killing with on the on stage, yeah. and then they put in their show. Uh, and I did. I started like writing, and uh, and that was just basically for me. It, it kind of I was having another nervous breakdown because I wasn't like being now. Now I'm in ETC, and I'm not getting seen, and I'm kind of frustrated. Um, ETC and main stage are the two stages there, and so after that. Uh, I get ETC, but I'm bored, so I want to leave. So I was getting, re- I was like, uh, someone else had been promoted ahead of me who was younger and there, not as long. Um, and so I was kind of feeling like, shit, I'm going to, you know, I always have these fears that I'm just like not going to go anywhere, as all performers have. Yeah. And, uh, and so what ended up happening is I was in this big depression. I started writing a lot. Uh, and almost like, um, almost like just like, I'm at peace if I'm doing, I'm at peace if I'm writing and performing. Luckily, it never got in the way of performing because it was the only time where I didn't have anxiety or, is when I was either writing or performing. So I, a lot of time for my last show, I was in my, I was in Joyce Sloan's office, which had a bunch of papers all over the desk. And I would, went there with a le- yellow legal pad and just started writing all these ideas. And uh, it's funny, but, you know, subconsciously I wrote about all, all disasters. Uh, <laughs> my last show features a plane crash. There's a boat wreck, and a guy trapped between the train and the platform. Jesus. Uh, so you know where my mind was. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the show that Steve Higgins and Tim Hurley he saw. Really? That got me invited to audition for Saturday Night Live. And did you do some of those characters in your audition? Yeah. I did. I did. Uh, did a, a lot of them. Well, you know, the good thing was that they gave me three months too. They to told you. For, okay. Wow. Yeah. They came in like the spring, and they said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna invite you out. We're thinking to invite you out in August. You know, and I was like, oh shit. All right. All right. So you have some time. You know. Do they give you any guidelines as uh, to what you need to do in order for the just audition? Just keep it keep it short. They were saying, and like you know, three try to do three characters, original characters, three impressions, three impressions, and uh, so I, you know. My friend Adam McKay at the time, uh, I, I texted him or emailed him, and I said, hey, can you send me a tape of, like, the best audition that you've seen? And he sent me Keckner's audition, and it was pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that and better because I had the, I had the foresight to have what he did. And, yeah. to, and to like learn from that. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm better than Keckner. I'm simply no. saying what I saw. I kind of like I can expound on that and make it better. And with, and I kind of did because yeah. I sang. I'm like Keckner can't sing. I can sing. I can sing like Meatloaf. Oh, like, you know. So I'll throw in Meatloaf, which I was doing in my last show. And then uh, my impression, I had, I, I did I did Truman Capote just specifically for Lauren. I'm like Lauren will love this, so I'm just gonna. And if no one else wants it or likes it, yeah. he's gonna so like it. That like was it. something you came up with in the three month time. Was yeah, like, I'm gonna do all these little okay. things. Yeah, like what? Oh, did, what fucking impression? Because I didn't do really do impressions on, on stage. Right. And is that the most stressful part? Is it the part they ask you? You're like, well, that's not really what I do, but now I got to learn how to do this kind of thing. It, it's because I'm assuming it, you're comfortable with the stuff. It that becomes you've done. comfortable. It becomes fun to do to uh, get okay. challenged. Okay. It becomes fun to like. Can you do this guy? Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Just, you know. So that's kind of who you are. You you actually <laughs> see the challenge and enjoy it. 
Yes. Okay. Well, sometimes. If I can't get it. Like, I can't get Trump right. for the life of me. Yeah. And so if I can't get it, I just forget it. Yeah. Okay. But, you know. Drive yourself insane trying to do it if you can't do it. Yeah, I mean, right. Uh, so I just did, I did, um, so I think, Dan, I, I'm, going, I'm going ahead, but I think you just have to start writing in touring company, writing for yourself, writing for yourself. And then when you get to SNL, you have to write for yourself. Because you really, I mean, it's, you really have if to you're write not, for and, and, and you're not being like, you know, because like, like with Farley, I heard people really did write for him, and, and they really t- kind of took care of him and made him sure he was in as many sketches as he could be in. But there were well, some he's people. The, he's an exception, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he's so goddamn funny just yes. sitting down. <clears throat> right. That that yeah, put him in the show because he's hilarious. But, but for he, the most but, part, but for the most part, if you Tracy aren't... Morgan uh, is very similar style. Yeah. Um, just super funny, and then doesn't write. Yeah. You know, he, he, we all had uh, <laughs> we all had those new Apple computers with the the, backs, the colors the, with yeah, the yeah 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 iMacs, and, and he had a brand new fucking computer with dust on it. <laughs> There's like a quarter inch of dust, <laughs> <laughs> never to be touched. Because he went into the writers and was like, "All right, here's what the fuck we're gonna do. All right, uh, I, I want to play a homeless guy who is in love with Britney Spears, and oh my she God. comes up, you know, and so then." Brian Steele would would get with him. Brian Steele loved writing with him, so he was always taken care of by a few other people because Tracy Morgan's just fucking funny. But that know. idea, I mean, if you, if I, I mean, those sketches, I fucking cried when oh, she would amazing. come up, go down in the sewer with him, and like everything he would say, like at the end of that say, song ended with six. "Have some doo doo pie." <laughs> <laughs> so the whole song is just beautiful, romantic. Like a six-year-old's idea of what beauty and yeah, romance is. Yeah, he would say is. like tiny mouse tits. Like he would. <laughs> And then he started talking about the shit that he encounters as a homeless person and ends with, <laughs> have a doo-doo pie. <laughs> and then cut to Britney. I don't know what it is about him. I, I, I love him. him. <laughs> we all loved him, everybody. <laughs> Holy uh, shit. So, so, yeah, so yeah. for those kids out there, always just start writing. Just start writing ideas. Like, you know, when I was watching Mr. Show, I, I actually, I knew Jay Johnston and he, he asked, and he's like, hey, why don't you submit? And I, and I wrote some scenes and I sent it to him. This is before I was, you know, on stage at Second City, and uh, and he and he, you know he gave me notes, and I was like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like someone not just going. You, you I wrote wanted you gold. to see like this is brilliant, man. I'm gonna yeah. show it to Bob and David. We'll have you out here in a month. <laughs> Instead, it's like oh, you gotta do this. This is. I was like, oh, all right. So I kind of. <laughs> You know, and I loved Mr. Show too. By the way, Mr. What a show is incredible. Show a very one of the best sketch shows. The way it ties together and, and the lunacy of the whole thing. It's really there was a, there was a writer on SNL for a little time. He was just a guest writer, and all his all his ideas were about people taking a pill that would make them do something weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Every fucking is like oh, this guy. He takes a pill. And then so he he rides a skateboard uh, on his head, you know, it'd be like <laughs> shit like that. But but if you just simply take a premise and just think like, why is this funny? What's the opposite of logic here? What is like making this really funny? You just break down and get it to a really small area, and then blow it up, you know. And that's the kind of the key is just get it smaller, 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 and then blow it up. So uh, that's how I. That's a, I'm pretty high too, by the way, but. <laughs> But that's how, like that. where did you, and kinda did you like kind of figure that out on your own, or would you just, you looked at the way other people wrote, and you kind of looked at the way that I things was you were snob, in? You know? I was a really big snob. Yeah. Uh, you know, another thing about being insecure is like, you know, that was my power. 
is movies and, and comedy. I know more than anybody around me. Oh, were yeah. You, were you and also, now you don't. <laughs> but did you find yourself, and I suppose this could be the trick, did you also find yourself, did that carry over into how you judged other performers and how you saw them? And did you have to be careful with that? Because you also didn't, you know, guys can squeeze out what they perceive to be a snob or a douchebag at some point too, right? It's a oh. delicate dance. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. And what happens is you get drunk afterwards and you start bitching about it. <laughs> I just want to do shit that people haven't seen. I just want to do shit that's not run-of-the-mill. I don't want to do the easy parody. Let's do a weird parody. Let's add something weird to it. Not to, There's a term in comedy, put a hat on a hat, when you're trying to make things too funny. Like uh, you know, someone write, It's a very <laughs> amateur thing to do. If someone writes something, and first thing they do is they write a funny name. You know, the name is funny. Right. Uncle Bucklefuck <laughs> walks into the I'm to the you. barn. Keep going. Um, he's wearing a hat <laughs> with a live canary in it. That's <laughs> that's a literal hat on a hat. Uh, and there's a lot of that going on. So as as, as a snob, I'm like, oh man, Spinal Tap, fucking <laughs> SCTV, Mr. Yeah. Show. That's what I want this show to be. And so that's kind of what I was striving for. And then at some point. Uh, I just really tried to have fun with the with the medium. Can I ask you a question? And I don't necessarily know if this happened or not, but so when when you're doing stage shows, there's so much flexibility, so much creativity. And like you're talking about, like you can go on you can go ways, like new ways. You're you're always trying to find new ways. And then that's what they hire you for. They love the fact you go a new way. And then you get to television. Television does have boundaries, correct? So Absolutely. all of a sudden you're like, let's slow our roll on on all these new ways. And is that a frustration initially as a performer that gets into that world where they kind of put those... And it, you came from a world with no boundaries, and then all of a sudden, boom, guess what? Yeah, and I don't know what the boundaries are. Maybe the boundaries are more like what those guys... Those guys have been living comedy for 20 years, so they know okay. that what you're doing probably isn't the best. Okay. You know, and you're not, talking about at the TV level. Talking at the TV there. level, yeah. yeah, yeah. The weird stuff that you love doing, you have to kind of stop doing and get a little more... You know, so my trick was always how to be weird and accessible. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how... Successful I was at that. I mean, I think I was for a few years there. But, yeah, uh, you know, that was the, the the goal was to be different, strange, you know, uh, and, and, and put that onto live television and get 10 million people to watch it. So would you would you start by pushing the boundaries as far as you could? Like you didn't put any uh, – when you created, no boundaries, right? Whether it was TV-friendly or not or you knew someone was going to get nixed, did you creatively go as big as you could knowing that it's going to get chipped down a little bit? Or how would you no, play with it? No, but I did go – I did get – I think I had a few – you know, like it feels like years or months or something, but I had a long time where I was just trying to make the band laugh. Okay. And I was blowing my shot. I was blowing my chances to actually get on the show because I was just writing shit that would make everybody laugh. The writers, mostly. But – you know, you got customers out there. You got all these people that work for the show that aren't comedians, you know. So for a while, to to because I was frustrated, I would just write these very strange scenes. Eventually, uh, you know, they started happening. You know, it just started happening. And I think, I think it just took time for me to get comfortable. I think it took time for America to get comfortable. What, uh, what was the first thing you got on the air? Uh, I got, well, I got... First thing I wrote? Yeah, first thing you wrote. Because I'm sure you were on before you had anything that you wrote that was on. Is that correct? Yeah, I think, yeah, I was on the first show. I did three scenes. I was very lucky. I, I, wow. They put me in three scenes. Um, 
Were you featured at first, or were you were just featured? In, yeah. Okay. Featured. It was. Uh, I tell this story a million times, but I, I feel like I have to right now. Please. <laughs> yes. uh, that that they were they were uh, NBC. They were selling a lot of uh, the best ofs. Yeah. And they're pushing a lot of best ofs kind of early. So um, Robert Smigel wrote the scene where they were releasing the best of Horatio Sands. <laughs> The on the first show, <laughs> so as a as a parody commercial, it would be like get the best of Horatio's head, and it was just it was just shots from rehearsal. <laughs> and fuck, it. they cut it for time on, oh, the, on the first show, fuck. but they did put it on for the second show. So I guess it's still funny. But the first night would have been fucking oh, amazing. Oh my god! But they cut it for time, and uh, also my first scene that I that I did was like with Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd. Uh, they did the Wild and Crazy Guys meets the Roxbury Guys. Wow. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins is in the scene. Jesus. And uh, and it's like, that's my first day. You know? Smashing my first, Pumpkins oh, my is first from Chicago, too. Set. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, is that, did, were you, are you a Starstruck kind of guy? Was that, was that also a hard Steve thing Martin to kind of... Fuck it, but but some people, for some people, they're just like, they, yeah, find, but they compartmentalize. I'm just curious. Like, did, I'm we, terrible. Okay. I'm very terrible. And uh, I had a dream when I was in high school that... I met David Letterman in Connecticut that I got in my car, went to Connecticut, and I just wanted to talk to him about comedy. And in my dream, I get out of my car, and he's jogging, and I, I and it's very stalkerish. It's very like an assassination. King of comedy and, there. Yeah. Exactly. And then I stop, and I'm like, hey, man, I really love your show. I just wanted to let you know that. He's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> very David know, Letterman just, response. I, I just thought, you know, maybe we could talk about stuff. And <clears throat> he's like, get out of here, man. Like, what are you doing? Go home. And I was so fucking heartbroken in my dream <laughs> that now, even to this day, if I really like somebody, I stay away. Because I don't want them breaking your heart. So yeah. you don't For instance, I'm I, I love Radiohead like no other band. And I've been I've had the opportunity to meet Tom York and those guys. But I'm like, nope. <laughs> because if he's an asshole, yeah. it yeah. ruins. You're not gonna be able to listen to you can't separate it would the take artist half from the, work. the music I love away. Do you yeah. also worry about how you'll behave or things that you'll talk about, or is that you don't worry you don't worry <clears throat> about that part of it? It's more of a I'm just worried about just coming off like a scared asshole, which is yeah. what I am. <laughs> you know, you don't wanna be, you wanna be cool. So sometimes sometimes I was the cool guy. You know, sometimes you're like you're just you meet someone at a place where you're very confident and cool, and people like you. So that's that's different. But who was the first person you met when you got when you brought when you went out to New York on the on the show? Like uh, who was the first person? The first you host was Cameron Diaz. Um, and yeah, she she was the first host. But what about sta- sta- uh, uh, the uh, the cast when the you cast, came out there? They were very you? sweet to me and Jimmy. Were you guys both? Uh, you we guys were, all, were both. And at we the all same drank time? every Wednesday together. It was really fun. Those years were really fun. Like all the writers, well, most of the writers. Uh, the Harvard guys especially, we'd all go down to the restaurant that was at the corner of 30 Rock, um, and we'd all just drink all Wednesday night till, you know, fucking whatever. Yeah. Uh, and that was super fun. It was real, and we were really close as a group. Uh, was that kind of Will a built was so in... sweet, and Sherry was so sweet, and Anna, and even even uh, Catan. They were just a really welcoming crew. That's a so good, I mean, that's a solid, you had a solid so- bunch oh. of years on that show. You know what I mean? Like, you know. <laughs> Molly Shannon, yeah, I mean, you know they, the the hits keep coming. So all those guys had to have their scenes. So like you know when we, when we were first there, we had to wait, you know, get the scraps. Do you remember your first day, just showing up there, like just um, rolling in? Uh, I remember, I remember uh, like the hugeness of walking into the studio and being on the monologue stage. 
like that's where you audition. So they're trying to make you a little nervous by like, oh, so yeah. the host stands, why don't you go stand there and be funny? <laughs> and I remember that, and I remember kind of like my first day in rehearsal and being on stage and being in this show, <coughs> I was really busy, so I didn't have any time to think about how big or crazy it was. I just kind of like, I literally saw things with a haze. Like when you get an eye exam and you're, you start seeing things, it's like it starts like with a halo. Like yeah. It seemed like a dream. It did. It seemed like a dream. And uh, people are running around, and that's like you can imagine that the craziness that's going on. Fuck. And I don't know. I just kind of like, I, I can physically really relax in front of anyone or anything. Like I could sit in front of a chair, and there's 20 million people. I'd be like, I mean, you know, I think I think that's fine. But you know, I'm I'm not like that in real life. So yeah, <laughs> that's just that's just the thing. And you yeah. also had friends that already worked there, correct? If it's when you first yeah, got there too, I mean, so yeah, there was a little bit of a soft landing, if you will, absolutely. familiar faces. And McKay was super popular there. Uh, everyone loved him, so you know. They figured, hey, if, if this is a friend of McKay, he's got to be good. And, nice. and, and so they were cool to me. Tina was there, of course. She was cool to me. She was a, she head writer at that point? Uh, not yet. No. McKay was head writer, and then okay. McKay later stepped back and started writing movies and writing less. So yeah. then Tina took over. Um, what was I saying? Is this long? No, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Well, no. I'm really t- I haven't told these stories, and I, I tell them a lot all the time. So if you're well, someone who follows me around on podcasts, you've heard these before. But, <laughs> but what's, t- well, that, fine, what's one thing you don't ever get to talk about? Is there something that you're always like, man, you know, I wish you could just talk about this? Uh, we can also get back to that. I've, let's I've, get I've, back I've, to that. That's I a really good one. I planted a seed for you. What? Because you know when you when you when you think you've fallen in love. For the last time, yeah, you you want like for me, I just wanted to confess everything I've ever done. So anything weird that I ever did, I want to confess. And I had something like that come up the other day where I'm like, no human being knows that I did that, or that that me and my friend made a pipe bomb and blew up a an old car. Whoa, <laughs> you know? an old car. Never told anyone that. Yeah, like an abandoned car, oh. like in an abandoned lot. How old were you at the time you did it? I think thirteen. Yeah, that that toilet. Why? I don't. What is it? I also hung out with friends that like, dude, get to find the biggest fireworks and let's blow some shit oh, up. Yeah. So it's, you were the let's blow some shit up guy, or your buddy was the let's blow, and you you came along. I was a. I was definitely let's blow shit up, but uh, he was the one that kind of did the scientific. Uh, He's like, and this is how you make a bomb. He was the one that was in the internet first. He was like a whiz kid <laughs> with the computer, so he just looked up how to make a pipe bomb. Cool. Where is he now? Uh, it, he's actually an accountant okay. In, okay. in Chicago okay. and has a, a nice, very big family. Okay, good. So he's... Okay, he good. Go, yeah, he didn't become Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I, and yeah, now he's uh, the One Unabomber. of my best friends is Ted Kaczynski. That's I the thing no one knows about me. <laughs> I never told anyone that before. <laughs> I think I remember the first time you fell in love with blowing shit up was uh, when we were kids. We blew up a car together. So you actually blew up... And so the, so that's I'm not a, the one, though. That's, not, that's just one of... Probably you know twenty but, crazy things that I've not told anyone because I just really haven't. Sure, to but we still need to get back the, the 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 thought process to do this right. First is you have to know. Did you know in advance? Did you guys look at a car and go, okay, no one's around this area. This car's been sitting. Our there. neighborhood was real to. shitty like that. You can kind of do whatever you want. Yeah, but I mean, this was so this going to be an area where no one was value. watching. Neighbors weren't coming out and calling police. It yeah. wasn't like that. But it was that car so was in like, the area was, nowhere? But it was, was around next to the high next to our grammar school. There was this lot. A house had been torn down, so there was just a lot where it was gravel. Just, okay, and someone abandoned their car there. 
So it was a piece a lot of shit of open abandoned. space. Yeah. So Flat tires all busted out windows. Car yeah. abandoned. Car yeah. come first or desire to blow shit up came first, and then you found the car. Well, to we blow blew up. shit up with um, 80s. And you stuff. were already doing yeah. the little yeah, we stuff. Yeah, we were all okay. doing that. So this is moving up to the. You graduated to the big stuff. Yes. And I, wasn't and as I had magnificent. nothing to do with making it, but I did light it. I think, and I think I was involved. I did. I definitely like knew how he made it. It basically involves buying some plumbing supplies and just. Uh, Getting phosphorus off matches. <laughs> so you had to run up, light it, and then run. Yes. So we put, we basically put like a M80 wick in there. So and then drill long, and so a longer drill, wick, right? You drill into the pipe, and then you uh, you know you, you put the wick in there, uh, but then it has to be packed tight. Like that's the dangerous part is you have to pack it really tight. The the phosphorus. Is that what it is? Uh, well, the match tips. Yeah. Whatever that is. Yeah. How far away? I'm did telling you have to kids run. how to make pipe yeah, bombs. Yeah. How far away did you have to? We ran about 20 yards away. And undercover or just stood back and watched this blow? We just stood back. N- nothing in front of I mean, you? I mean, maybe like, no we were like... watching and looking around for people, but yeah, we, we, we were far away. But you weren't behind anything. We didn't get shrapnelized. The windows blew out. So it wasn't, yeah, it was just, my next question was how yeah. fantastic in your mind did it, did it match what you thought? Was it like, <laughs> yes. It did? Yes. Oh, okay. Did it lift? It didn't have, it didn't have a, a big plume of flames like right. in the movies. But it fucking blew out the windows and made this huge loud noise. And, you know, the neighborhood, I'm sure, was like, what the you fuck was that? <laughs> so that? God damn it. This is my next question. How long did you guys stand there and, and, and in wonder and then finally go, we better get the hell out no, of here? No, yeah. Like, we <laughs> were terrorists. Well, you leave. You know? yeah. <laughs> A good terrorist doesn't stick around to see what happens. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get gone. Um, Blowing up cars. When, when, uh, wh- oh. Oh. I had a very like Fellini esque, not Fellini, not Fellini. Uh, who's the other uh, French guy? Well, he's Italian, but um, he made you know. He... Anyway, we'll get back to this. Uh, Godard, no, not Godard, but the other guy. Who's the one that was more commercial? A little bit more. Commercial. Oh yeah, I don't. <sighs> In any he case, it's a very he always he always made like very had these sweet little moments, like a guy stealing a, like a little kid stealing the a bicycle thief or whatever. Yeah, he has a where, like, where a kid wants to be a writer and he steals a typewriter and how significant that is. When I was in Chile, we lived in Chile when I was five. Oh, wow. oh. four to five. And my brothers were six and nine years older than no, six and eight years older than me. And uh, we went into this soccer stadium, like where kids were playing, like this had a soccer league. And they broke into an equipment room, but the window was just small enough for me to fit in. So they threw, they put me inside the equipment room in Chile in this stadium. And this is still Pinochet, so if I would have been caught, I'm sure we all would have been assassinated. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and I was little enough to fit in there, and I remember the feeling of, like, the smell of the leather balls, brand new soccer balls all over, and the smell of the, the leather. And I was just throwing it. Soccer balls out the window, you know, stealing, stealing soccer, stealing balls, soccer yeah. balls at five. Yeah, I was. I had a very, I had a very criminal, a little steely problem when I was, and that started it. And it was my brothers that were doing it, so it's their fault. How many uh, are in your family? Five. And are you are the younger? Oh, end so of three brothers, like? and, and that's it. Are, are you? I'm on, the youngest. youngest. Yeah. Okay, so the Truffaut. Are you talking about Truffaut? Yes. Yes. Who I believe was also in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Soccer balls being, you know, my brother's making me a thief at five is a very Trudeau. <laughs> well, I'd like to admit to being lost because I don't know who that is, but... Well, um, the director. He was the saying, New Wave. The, way, the, the French, yeah, New French, French New Wave. Ah, French New Wave. My favorite cinema. I studied film in college and was asked to leave. It's yeah. Good, 
I studied film in college too, and uh, one class was just watching Citizen Kane and um, Last Tango in Paris. Yeah, I, I also watched those. Yeah. So I had a perv teacher <laughs> who just loved, made us watch this these movies like twenty times each, and we would like just sit around and talk about it. And then you know, one person says that's a phallic symbol, and then all of a sudden it's like, what'd you see? A phallic symbol. <laughs> I think that car was a phallic symbol. So it's all just, dicks. All these kids in it's college, eighteen-year-old dipshits, are like <laughs> phallic symbol. Definitely, <laughs> definitely phallic symbol. There. I got your beat in mind. I had a teacher that was. Um, we were at the point because I went to University of Wisconsin Milwaukee. And there was a lot of avant-garde filmmaking going on there, so it was all about like beating you over the head with with like simple concepts or, or whatever. And I remember she made us go to the screening room, and one of them was we had to watch 20 minutes of uh, autopsies. Jesus. And then the next one was vaginas, all different types of vaginas, but all of them had, uh, were on their periods. Oh, uh, come and, on. And what? Minutes. And I'm just sitting there going, all right, man. Um, cool I don't know. movie. <laughs> it was just all over the place. Fuck and I didn't, know, I didn't know what to do. I'm like I don't know what am what am I supposed to say after like what what <laughs> just yeah. start booing boo yeah, yeah. boo I don't think I ever I didn't I don't think I engaged at any of the post game conferences uh, you know oh. with the teacher on that one because I didn't know how, I'm like all right cool I, am I supposed to hate vaginas and love autopsies <laughs> like where what's, am I going with what's this the goal here. desensitization I think that's what the whole thing was she was everything that's, she I was showed gonna say that's pretty cool. I was going to say, I wouldn't mind seeing that just to know what vaginas look like at that age. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'd like to have a little reference. So if whatever I encounter doesn't I'd look like, like this, I'll know something's oh, wrong. Oh, honey, it's normal. I've seen many vaginas. My teacher used to show me films with uh, now, where's women your having a period. <laughs> so I know, honey. I know about periods, too. So I'm sorry. So flow on. <laughs> Let me rub your legs. I'm flow, sorry. Flow on. <laughs> If you ever no, I'm being positive here. Why would Look, you ever tell a woman to flow on? Flow on, more power to you. <laughs> get those to uterus get her walls, over with, I guess, right? To get her over with. Don't go flow to any on. of those women's rallies, John, with any signs like flow Don't on. Don't worry, or... I'm not allowed. There's pictures <laughs> up. Have you seen this man? Um, who who's the first character you wrote for yourself that you got on SNL? Bomb guy. Oh uh, fuck, that's a good one. Um... The and character did... that I wrote, the original character that I wrote. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, Don't be. I think I think I kind of just leaned on some impressions those first couple of years. I did Ozzy because I could sing oh, like yeah, Ozzy. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So I had to learn a kind of an Ozzy. That was you know at that time he was doing a lot of drugs. So it was like, yeah, hey, it's all right. And it's like I'm saying, it's all like fuck it, yeah. He says like, fuck it, it is all right. Let's just fucking do fuck it. So, <laughs> uh, so that that uh, so, but, the, but then my my original characters like I'm like I did a bunch of crazy Latino characters. That was another little secret thing that I was doing on the show. Every time I did update, I did another weird Latino character. Um, one was well, well, the fa- my famous favorite one is uh, uh, Vasquez, ah, uh, Vasquez Lewis, uh, Vasquez Gomez Vasquez. And I wrote that right after 9-11, and it was a guy at work who's based on a on kind of, like, dense people I grew up with. And it was just, like, um, it, his his thing was, like, he'd be like, hey, man, what'd you do this weekend? And he'd be talking to everybody. He'd be like, yeah, did you get laid? <laughs> what? <laughs> did you get laid? 
Vasquez, you can't ask questions like that at work. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know that. What'd you guys do this weekend? Did you go to Ground Zero? <laughs> you know, shit like that. <laughs> and then there was uh, there was another guy, Ramos, who who like was he's uh, he's like, um, I'm looking for Pepe. You know, and he was his whole thing was like, you know what? I've been to Papa John's. I've been to Little Caesars. I've been to Domino's. I've, I've eaten, you know, all this shit. And uh, fuck. Anyway. I forgot that character, but <laughs> it, he he ends up lo- wanting to look for Pepe, and so every I just did a lot a lot of Latino characters, and one that is kind of like the one from Leatherman is Choo Choo, dude. Um, that's the Leatherman sketch. <laughs> I mean, talk about weird idea, and that wasn't mine. It was actually Jimmy's idea, uh, and and Higgins, and it was all about like that. I think Higgins could uh, he he mimicked the the, the noise, the crackle of leather with a balloon. Ah. So when those sketches, what you don't see is Steve Higgins, who is the, you know, Jimmy's announcer, is in Don Pardo's booth, <laughs> fucking around with a balloon <laughs> as we're walking up. And I just assumed it was a recorded noise that someone was like, no, it was live, <laughs> man. It was Steve Higgins on a balloon. Oh, my God. Watching, dude. you know, obviously watching and just <laughs> <imagine it up. laughs> trying to match it. Yeah, matching that's it. Fucking it's insane. doing a pretty good job. It's insane, yeah. but that's kind of fun. Dude, though, it's right? hilarious. That's challenge, dude. You know? yeah. It's hilarious. I mean, that sketch is fucking funny, dude. That's really funny. <laughs> uh, Dan Aykroyd was like, for some reason, Dan Aykroyd is this weird leather daddy. <laughs> And he's this like very distinguished judge. In <laughs> so he's like, Judge Lindenwell. <laughs> Hello, boys. He'd come in. <laughs> but I love that Aykroyd was like, Yeah, dude, let's do yeah, this. Yeah, let's this do is it. Fucking great. Because isn't that that's got to feel good when like something you're gonna be in or a sketch that you're in or you wrote and the host is like, oh my, Fuck wow. yeah. I mean that's that's cool and it's rare, but the 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 bigger thing is when some an old time an old guy SNL not an old guy but uh, an old SNL alum comes back and especially like Dan Aykroyd who's like a hero of mine and Bill Murray like when Bill Murray hosted I'm like oh my god this is insane yeah and around that same time uh, Milos Forman was was doing the Man on the Moon movie okay. and they were shooting inside the studio uh. so they had uh, you know we we still have the same set designers. So they just recreated the sets they had done in the 70s. Holy shit. So I walked into the studio on like a day off or maybe a Tuesday when we were writing. And they had the fucking diner, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, diner. They had all these like memorable uh, sets built up for the movie, the the Andy Kaufman movie. You like went into a time warp. That's awesome. And then right around then, Bill Murray hosted. So I really felt like... Oh man, like the connection between the old and the new, and like the people I looked up to, and now I'm working with them. I mean, that's just the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah, I mean, it, Dan, but uh, and, I, and you just named two Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. I, I mean, shit, like, and Dana Carvey, who I feel might be the best second uh, uh, SNL person ever. Yeah, dude, that's um, there's definitely a hard argument for that, yeah. and and also uh, he was on with a lot of really good people, but like. He, he, not so much like I think Eddie Murphy was like a rare example of like one man like kind of saving a whole entire show. Yeah. But like Dana Carvey was like that real standout in literally like every in a group sketch. of standouts in a group of standouts. Yeah, yeah. man. I now mean, those are the best years, I believe. The uh, with Carvey. People argue all about it, but for me, as a person who is a fan of the show and is a part of the show, uh, 
those eighty mid eighties years are the best. Really? Yeah, they're really just solid. And those um um Well, we're not stopping. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I we I, I I I was I was curious no, where I was gonna uh, go that I well, it was it was just like no that those years were were produced by really fun fucking funny dudes and and that was um, Smigel again yeah and um, Jesus anyway it just yeah. those those years are, are kind of do, my favorite do you, do it, when, to go take a step back for a sec do, does SNL like you said when you got there and you saw that stuff about the Milos Formans that stuff like that do they memorialize the past there or do, is it just being there that that gives you that feel or or are there parts of do they acknowledge their own past within those walls or not really is it it's well there is i mean there are <laughs> there are uh you know uh costumes upstairs behind the bleachers where people are walking in you know there's like the conehead costumes yeah. This you mean for the general public? For the general public, but not. But for you guys, but for is inside, there stuff? No, it's like it's like you just take it in, and it's just awesome. It, it is. You well, know? it's just the fact that and, it is. And people that have been there, like you know, they'll they'll show you things that are cool. Like there was a, there's a place where there's these little steps that take you up the stage, and there's um there's a ledge where the bleachers start, and I guess Farley would hit his head on there a lot. So there was a. It was foam rubber with a sticker on it that said "Farley, watch your head." <laughs> you know, so wow, we had little things like that yes. all over. And you know, in my dressing room, it was like the old day. Like I think it was like Ackroyd and Belushi's dressing room, and it had a secret door, and you can go in back and do anything back there. I guess. <laughs> uh, and and then just the people that worked there, like Leo Yoshimura, worked there day one, and he was still doing the sets and you know, clowning around, so you're like, you're feeling it that way. Yeah. And also, like, I'd get pants that had Belushi's name on it, you know, not Belushi, uh, Farley. I'd get belts that said Farley on them, and so you're like, oh, shit, it's God just this damn. kind of, in, it's inside, it's all, like, it's protected, and it's still being there, and it's like, you're still getting these these glimpses of the past, so it's it kind of makes it easy to to become to become the past. When no, you, but that's I mean you're like that's part of a especially a show that you cared about. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it was my dream from little little little. Uh, Did, was there ever a moment where you got so caught up in it, like a peaking moment where like you were like, well, I'm getting caught up in a moment here. Holy shit! Like because I mean, you were talking about like that first time you got in there, you're you're kind of overwhelmed and you get that. That skewed perspective, if you will, almost oh, out of yeah. body experience. But was there? We, did you ever find yourself? And I'm curious, just because you talk about how you do get starstruck and you do have all that stuff, that I wonder if it ever built up to a moment where you were simultaneously in heaven, but also like, holy shit, you know what I mean? Like it just all kind of comes to a head of well, like explain a, a personal better. high. Like you're just like you, you felt like a personal high. Oh of yeah, like everything was clicking and everything around it was like this is fucking amazing. It's like a self-awareness moment. Yeah, you know, it's like um, those times are like like Debbie Downer, that sketch. I always tell people if you're going through anything and you're depressed, just watch that sketch a few Holy times. Holy shit. It's really good for depression. Holy shit. And uh, I describe it as everyone on stage having the best time they've ever had on, st on that stage. Yeah. And everyone's feeling it. And it all it. came at once. Yeah, and it's just like more than infectious it was almost like blood running through that was just fucking tickling everybody and there was no there was no way we were going to do that straight because we from the beginning from the first read of it we were we were laughing i was going to say is there because i know like there's stories of farley holding back in dress rehearsal and then going fucking over the top bananas just to make cast members go crazy and oh, yeah, i yeah. did like did 
did Rachel Dratch hold back any of the Debbie Downer? Like, because she, it, that's so funny, man. I, I remember specifically in rehearsal, like what, when we took the, the, the scene on the stage and we're rehearsing it, I remember for the first time they threw in that cat joke about feline AIDS. Feline AIDS. <laughs> and we, I was like, fucking joke is amazing, hilarious, just up my alley. And, uh, and then they played that meow, meow. <laughs> And none of us knew that was going to be played. So we're not, there's a there's a tape out there of rehearsal where we're just dying from the fucking. <laughs> they did the cat noise. Was the trombone live? Was that a guy? Uh, no, no, uh, okay, no. But it wouldn't be. I wouldn't put it past Lauren to do something like that because oh, yeah. you know he he did fly Don Pardo back from Miami like every weekend to do just to do the, the voiceover. So wow. You know that that stuff is very important to him, and so, yeah. You know, wow, it, yeah, he's he's got his plan, he's got his thing, and you know, and he just keeps doing it. You had a good relationship with Lauren. I did. I I, I describe my relationship with Lauren as like a you know like a dad who doesn't love you that much. <laughs> <laughs> he loves you, but he doesn't show it. Because yeah. I had a father who loved me and showed it very much. So then I was in this other place. I'm like, now this is another father figure, and he's <clears throat> just not yeah warm like that. Yeah. There are, there are moments that, you know, when it starts clicking and, and you feel comfortable and you, you, there is a friendship like you're both working on something. Yeah. Like I did have work conversations with him, like asking him about costumes and stuff. So, uh, you know, he be, he becomes a nice guy, but he is, you know, he's probably self-admitted. I don't know. He's a little strange fellow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever really heard anything too much different than that. Yeah. that. Do you go in, does, does everybody that goes into, well, I'll specifically talk about you. When you go into a place like SNL, do you go in like th- this is a career or, does, or, or is, is, is the mindset like I've got X amount of years that I'll probably be here and it's, an, yeah, it's, it's, all it's a part of my stepping stone evolution. Yeah. Like I, so, I, I say too, like after, when, when you finally, like I, would, I, I was like dangling every year for the first three years. Like every you, year. you were never sure if you're coming back. Right. Like I... I in August, I would start getting call from my manager, like, okay, they've started renewing people, and so they're like, okay, okay. And then, like, my manager is like, uh, maybe you should call Lauren. And I'm like, good God. <laughs> maybe you hey, just want to make sure Lauren. we still had each other's numbers. <laughs> in August, I'm, like, driving down Sunset or whatever, and I, I, I pull over, and I was like, okay, I got to call Lauren. So I walked into this this liquor store, and they had an exact copy of my phone. Um, like the old Nokia, the little ones. The nub so with I the nub it on from it. From the liquor store, and I put it in my pocket, and so I have the phone in my hand, and I have a conversation with Lauren that basically is me saying, like, "Yeah, I feel good about the next year. I've been thinking about some good sketches. Um, you know, I really feel like I'm getting better." And I explained how and what I wanted to do, and basically just being reverential. Yeah. And also saying, "I'm still here, and I still want to do this shit." <laughs> yeah. And then, okay. We'd hang up, and then a few days later, be like, "Okay, they're having you back." But it was like just that was every year. Yeah, it was every year. So, yeah. cut back to that moment where I grabbed the phone. I'm with Jerry Miner, my good buddy. And we're driving in a convertible down uh, Fountain, and that liquor store was on Fountain. And I get back in the car. He knew I just talked to Lauren, and uh, I take the fake phone, and I'm like, "Motherfucker!" And I slam. <laughs> <laughs> Slap the phone on the ground. He's like, hey, man, it's okay. It's going to be okay. 
And uh, then I pulled out my real thumb, like, I'm just fucking around. <laughs> you were testing his friendship. You saw yeah. that he cared that much. It was and he okay. did care. And he, I was just, it was just a little fun thing because uh, just, it, just it just opened up because yeah. the liquor store had a perfect copy of my phone. So, uh, so yeah. over time, you're saying eventually you didn't feel like you had yeah, to so get four, to that point. So in the fourth year, me and Jimmy are doing a lot, doing a lot of update. It's feeling like we're great. And then that's kind of the moment that you have to start looking to get out. Okay. Which is unfortunate. But for me, luckily, I got to be there for eight years. So that was there four more, <laughs> why, <laughs> four right. years why, longer than Why do you say that's the moment you have to start looking to get out? Because that's when because you're Because you know hot, it's ending. That's... You know you're at the pinnacle, the peak. You know you can kind of feel the peak. And you're yeah. like, it's going to end. Yeah. I can't keep doing this. And, you know, um, Not that I can't keep doing this, but they just can't have me. Yeah forever and so right. you just kind of start looking for like okay and then what will i do i'll you know you know start doing movies and shit like that yeah and you, but i mean but you so i, I want to go back to earlier when you said you were initially going to leave chicago and move to la you ultimately ended up in new york but it sounds like you're talking about these phone conversations you were already living in la as well as new york was la yeah, I was, I kind of why was it always LA? Here. Oh, okay this is most of my buddies moved out here you know when you were still in chicago you were yeah. knowing more people that were coming here than anywhere else. Exactly. Okay. So there's this was, a lot of Chicago. Yeah. So um, you always had an intention, uh, an intention of moving to LA at some point. Yes. Okay. And every time I'm out here, I mean, I fell in love with it. You know, LA watching chips like everyone else did. Dude. My age. <laughs> <laughs> I, now I watch. I watch Rockford Files, and I'm like, I love LA even yeah, more. Still, I hated it when I was a kid because I didn't understand an old man even with better. leisure suits <laughs> constantly punch, getting knocked out. But now I watch, and I'm like, this is genius. Dude. And so, uh, you know, they really sold L.A. in the 70s, man, with women oh. and sun, beaches, Roller and skates. cars. And now that's Stephen J. Canal. You can blame him for everybody <laughs> moving out here. So that's why we're all out here. But, I mean, it is really beautiful. Today's like 70 degrees. Yeah. It's yeah. January. We it's colder in my apartment than it is outside. Yeah. We, we have to, out here, we have to pretend the cold is here so we can be, be a Put little bit more. On. Yeah. Just, just, we spent the money. Um, yeah. the, I'm wearing a puffy vest for no reason. Ah, you're comfortable. You're, you're, you're midsection. I'm covering up my fat. Can I ask you a question? And maybe this doesn't exist, but you know, like uh, the comedy store is a perfect example. Comedy store has three different stages in it. Yeah. And when you go there, when you first go there, people are always like the hard, and I agree with this, the hardest room always was the, uh, original. the original room. Were there, like certain, because um, obviously there's a structure to the show. Were there other parts where, that were that were deemed yes. harder to do than others? Absolutely. For everybody would talk about, oh, this is going to be your hardest job. So yeah, there there are what we call dead zones in the studio, um, and the, it's basically the farthest corner on the left. Any scene that, that I barely remember any scene ever working in that corner, um, because you're just very far away. It's, From the it's audience. The stage, it's the stage that's next to the musical stage. Okay. In the corner. So it's farther away from the audience. Also, on a rare occasion, they'll, they'll put a set against the bleachers so your back is against the audience. So they're watching basically television. They're too. all on the TV. So whenever, for me, it's like physically, like I would love you to watch me. And there's a delay, too. They're seeing it. Not much of a delay. Not but, much, but, but I yeah. mean... It's yeah, just not so they're, they're seeing a performance that you're doing in front of thir th a couple hundred people. They're seeing it on television. So those things, they don't react really well to that. Uh, Do you yeah, get bummed so out if, you're, if you have this great sketch and it gets put yeah, on? Yeah. Is that a huge bummer? And yeah, Do you try to negotiate a, to get it off of there? If you, uh, if you're, if you're no, there's no negotiating about, that. Uh, there's, no. No negoti there's no negotiating that, and there's no negotiating. Well, you can kind of negotiate maybe like placement. 
uh, in the read through. Okay. And so if your sketches are in the first ten or first twenty, you're looking great. If your sketches are in the middle or the end, you know, you people know are getting tired. Anything after just, update. So if you put like my scene third from the last, I'm like, you're fucking killing me here. Yeah. You know, or third to last or something, you know, because everybody's just tired at this point. Um, so so you have to fight to to you know, hopefully your scene's good enough to get in the in the front. So there's that fight there. And then when you get into rehearsal, you know, if you're in front of home if you're on home base or anywhere near there, you know, it's a good placement. But you know, there are those spots where you're like kind of not performing in front of the audience and those and then yeah, and it's I guess like, I never it's thought like the baby, of that. I always say like scenes are like baby turtles, all those baby turtles trying to get back into the ocean. Yeah. And it's all these things are just picking them off. You know? Not many of them make it to that. Ma- <laughs> so there's all these steps that you have to kind of get through. You talk, so how much can you actually argue position? And how when you say you can argue, your, how, how would one win that argument? You just don't even, you don't argue. You just you talk to, um, at the time, Shoemaker, who was the producer for Seth, uh, the, late, the Late Show, I think it's called, Late Night. Yeah. Um, and he would, he would kind of like, judge which was good and so you'd okay. be like you know i'd be like hey you know did you see that sketch he's like yeah yeah you know and you could tell by his reaction whether it got a good placement or not <laughs> if it was like yeah it's fucking crazy you're gonna get <laughs> yeah <laughs> or like yeah yeah i think it's, it's pretty good it's good you guys did a good job they all know that it's in front oh wow okay uh so so do they go hand in hand late in the show far in the corner or can a far in the corners one still go early in the show and that could be a bummer the, the dead zone. No, once you're at the show, there's a different energy. So, you know, things play usually better. Okay. Hopefully. Even in the dead zone? Yeah. Okay. I got one sketch in the dead zone, I remember, which is like, a, it was just a, a sight thing where I, we were Italians, we we're mobsters, and uh, and Lindsay Lohan played like my, you know, mall girlfriend, and I was just, bra- we were just breaking things. <laughs> just, just being mobsters and breaking things. I don't even remember what the, the fun joke was about it. <laughs> There was like, uh, yeah, there's only one. There was like, so so basically I was like, okay, Lindsay Lohan, she's going to dress hot. She's going to like that. And she's also going to have fun breaking shit. So that's kind of the idea, that yeah. how I pitched that, right. how I came up with it. I'm like, what would she like to do? Yeah. Yeah. Smart. You have to think like that sometimes. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Pretty girls like to put on braces. They like to put on the braces and... Smash it, and then that's and smash it. That's the characters. <laughs> so, when you're talking about hitting an arc, is it still hard to go even when you know it's time to go? Is um, even though you know it's going to be a short run, is it still hard to? Oh yeah, because you get so comfortable and everything's so easy. You know, my last year was so great because Seth Meyers just put me in a bunch of sketches, so I just was the funny thing that was thrown in sketches. So I didn't even have to like really work that hard that last year because. You know, they they were taking care of me like that. Yeah. Because you already knew you were leaving. It wasn't a. I didn't know for sure. Did, oh, you did not know for I sure. I did not know for okay. sure. But, I, but kind of. Yeah. Eight okay. years is a longer than average run, though. Exactly. I so, mean, what is the average there? When you say longer than eight years is is longer. Well, we now like three to five? It, it used to be like four or five. Oh, okay. And now because the contracts are seven years, it's usually seven years. Okay. Okay. The yeah, contracts now they got are you for, seven years, huh? Yeah, they got you for a seven year contract. And then they can opt out any time. They or can. No. They can. They can. You, you can. can. Yeah, right, 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 right. So um, if you do a movie or something, you have to do. Yeah, they have to have a first look and stuff like that. Wow. What excited you more? Are you a bigger music guy or talent that was coming in, or, or does it just depend on who it was? Uh, it depends. It depends. It was fun for music because you get to just be a, a silly fan. Yeah. Whereas when you're when you got a, a someone you admire or like or someone that you're starstruck with, 
you know, there's a there's a trying, there's a like. I got to be good. I got to be normal too. Yeah, I just got to be like good a on camera and not be weird and quiet <laughs> like I normally am, and just thinking about the sketch. Uh, I don't like to talk before I do anything. So yeah, uh, when people do improv and they like try to warm up, I'm like, get out of here, let me alone. <laughs> I understand you know? that, though. I understand that. I get that. We did radio uh, and so and so sometimes like it 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 looks like I am not interested, but it, it just it's just means you getting ready. I'm getting yeah. ready. Yeah, yeah. Spade said that to me, and it was pretty. It was a nice compliment. Uh, he's just like, uh, do you ever get nervous? <laughs> like, <laughs> nah, not not here. You know, not that's, not in this situation. That's crazy. Or or yes, I do, but I I don't show it. I I can hide it. Yeah, and I can maybe take that energy and put it into the into the shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> with the music, did you watch them not oh, live, yeah. or was it, or the were you great, watching the, the cool rehearsals, or what? Both. Was, okay. The great thing about watching the band uh, is that there, you have to stand against the wall that I'm talking. I talked about earlier when you when you do a sketch and you're facing where the guy does the monologue. Yeah. That's a bad placement, and also for this, um, I'm sorry. What were we talking about? About bands, watching bands. Oh, so for bands, you know, no one's no one's in front of the band. You, it's like there's like twenty yards between the ball and the stage, I guess, maybe a lot little, and then and then there's a bleacher, and so the people are in the bleachers. They're far away from the band, so that the the camera uh, that the boom, that crane the that boom that's flying around and making yeah. it look cool can get in there. But there you can stand on the, all the way in the back, and you can stand on these um, carts that hold the flats. You know, the flats for other sketches. Yeah. So I'm sitting there by myself watching Radiohead. Oh, wow. Uh, no one in front of me at, at SNL live. Dude. And I was just like, holy shit. And it sounds so fucking good. Yeah. It just sounds so good in there. Yeah, I mean, they, it has to. They, they've made, they've made the show is, they've always, music has been a massive part of the show from the very beginning. Yeah. You know? So they've always had like the biggest names coming through there. So like when the Radiohead, Pearl Jam, yeah, those guys don't want to play somewhere that When those guys like came in, I I would sneak I would sneak against the wall and, and watch them. Yeah. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. I got a couple of quick questions about um, one. <laughs> Carol, where did um, where did Carol come from? Um, again, Seth Meyers wrote this sketch about uh, couples that swapped. You know. Uh, yeah, what do you call that? Swingers. Swingers. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It was like, it was like four, oh, wife swapping. Like uh. four couples <clears throat> that are swinging, and he asked me to just be the worst, ugliest woman I could be. So that's it. Carol. And Carol. Just be the worst, terriblest, nastiest person, you know. And I was like, okay. But I also wanted to be fun. Right. Because you can't just be an asshole. You no, have, no, no. You but have to be kind of fun and have people like you a little bit. So yeah. that's up. I'm Carol. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, uh, yeah, there was a, it was a scene about the password. We couldn't agree on the password, or not the, the password, safe word. the safe word. Yeah. So uh, I, my pick was super because <laughs> I was horny. You see, <laughs> I was a horny broad. That, and and every week I had to look up to see what disgusting drink Dunkin' Donuts had created. So you'd have to, and <laughs> she drank that one. Oh. Taco Bell, like any kind of coffee, any kind of fruity kind of liquor thing, like she would just fucking, she would just pour rum into anything, you know. 
so yeah, that's how Carol Carol oh. was a gift. Oh, that's <laughs> fucking awesome! I had no Seth idea Myers. that Seth wrote that. Um, and we talked about the Leatherman sketch, which was fucking genius in my opinion. Uh, oh, I tried the yeah. The, the thing at most that I, I think about a lot about Leatherman is that you know there was that scene where I had a a wooden snake and it breaks in half, and I had it right where my dick was and. And it just looks so vulgar and weird <laughs> in a sketch. Like, there's a wooden dick on this guy. What is going on here? But it never... But it was just a snake that broke in half. And, you know, there, we did the thing where the snake bites me and, and I'm in the dressing room. And I go insane. If you watch that fucking sketch, I'm pounding myself into the wall. Like, like just spinning around and just pounding on each fucking wall as hard as I can. And I'm trying to knock the set down <laughs> so that people can see, like, the back and the paint cans and, like, everything, the yeah. cue cards. You know? so I was, like, trying to break it down because I was like, that wall has never broken. <laughs> no one's ever broken down that wall. Uh, and so I tried. And I tried. In re- and I, the problem is I did it in, re- in a dress. Oh, and they fixed it. And they got it. And they reinforced it <laughs> with C-clamps, like, like extra C-clamps. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Uh, they made it like a fucking tank, a so that I could knock it down. That's a bummer. Uh, maybe one day, maybe one day I'll knock a set down. So they clearly didn't get the joke. Uh, they fixed the joke. No, because for them, they would get. You know, that's like yeah, Lauren will yell at you. Like, uh, why did that go down? Yeah, yeah Even they'll get you in trouble. Who it, was right. supposed to fasten that? It was not my fault. It's never the actor's fault. Right, right, okay. right, right. Yeah, he would. He and he and he and he. Had that hierarchy was always there too. That we were his little. Treasures, you know. Like yeah, we would we wouldn't get blamed for stuff. Although, I got yelled at once for coming on late <coughs> into a sketch. The first time Lauren yelled at me, um, it was like I think it was like Catan. They were playing those goth kids, and I had to come in as a dickhead, you know, neighborhood kid. And um, Bob Van Rye, who was like the stage manager there forever since the seventies, and he did Hullabaloo and all this other shit like at NBC. Wow, he was just there for years. He's this old cute old guy and uh he forgot to send me he was gonna cue me and he forgot and so i came on late and then in the meeting between shows lunch like you can drive a fucking truck through that pause that you made before you came on like in, in front of everybody <laughs> and, and you like, couldn't throw the old guy under I the can't bus throw the old guy under the bus yeah so i fucking ate it and got yelled at oh good and, for uh, you though but the- it was one of those things yeah it was one of those things that you learn. Don't sell the guy out. No, yeah. dude. Be no. a fucking mensch. Take it. Yeah. Take the punishment. Don't, you know. And so the guy was so fucking cool about it. You know, he was oh, just really? like, I really appreciate it, man. I really oh, appreciate wow. what you did. That's I'm cool. really sorry that that had to happen, you know. But, yeah, he was definitely appreciative of it. Oh, that's but that's nice. like, but we were talking about things, what you learn to do and what's right and wrong and how, like, in this business and in any business, you just have people that get bothered by a lot of different things. Yeah. <laughs> and Keeping if you do something straight. a little wrong, let me fuck that guy, you know? Yeah. You know, if you, if you gotta you gotta know who you're who you're joking with too. Yeah. Sometimes you joke with somebody and you think, Hey man, I'm great. And it's like, dude, get away from me. What's yeah. wrong with you? Dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's like some people can read another person and yeah. be like, Okay, I should probably pull it back. Maybe slow it down, maybe stop. But other people are just like, they plow through it, and then the other people are like, get the fuck away from me. Even in like, you know, when comedians are in a room mm-hmm. talking, even if they're not famous, even if we're not behind backstage, <laughs> there is a give and take. You know, when people tell their stories, yes. No one just shoehorns. We're all comedians, 
So we all kind of know to give each other the breath, you know? Well, uh, yes. If, if, you, if you're The good. majority of the people that I would conversate with, yes, do understand that. Right. There are the people that are also comedians who don't give a fuck what you have to say and only want to shoehorn their shit in. You yeah, know what I mean? And those people make it sometimes, too, but it's not yeah. a good process. No, no, no. I, I agree. It's not fun for you. It's, it's not going to be fun for you. And it's not going to be fun for you later when you're not as cute. Uh, yeah, and no one wants to work no, with you. And no one and, wants to deal with you because you're a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing, too. Uh, don't be a pain in the ass. Don't be a pain in the ass. Be on time. Be on time. Two, don't be a two pain things in the ass. that are like, if you can master those, you're, you're halfway there. <laughs> you know, Gary Busey. Lauren, Lauren kind of fucked me up on the time thing because he made people wait. I would be late for things. And that was, another, again, insecurities. But yeah. now I'm never late, except yeah. here because I went on Beachwood. The other oh, Beachwood? Were, I, think I went up Beachwood North. No, actually, you were. You were right on time, I think. You were right on time. Well, I was going to be early and sit in front of your apartment and you know, kind of just Scope listen, it out to listen make to sure. Stern and make sure that you, you weren't wearing uh, a wire. A, a, a camouflage or you know, a <laughs> rifle. <laughs> <laughs> Come on in, man. I'm glad you agreed to do my fucking... Uh, <laughs> my, my death room. I mean, my podcast. <laughs> Proud got, Boys podcast. We got, we got the last guest. My Proud Boys it? podcast. <laughs> so what is this thing? All right. Put on this MAGA hat. Hey. I gotta go. Proud boys. Um, but real quick, you, this is, I mean, it seemed, it might seem, I hope it doesn't seem little to you because it would be uh, massive to just about anybody else, but you're in a sketch that is probably one of the most talked about sketches. I mean, Christopher Walken says he's done like 160 movies and he walks down the street to this day and the thing that people yell at him is, more fucking cowbell, like yeah. all the time. I mean, this is an, an Academy Award. The fucking guy was in Deer Hunter. And people are like more cowbell. <laughs> so like there is yeah, he's that. done some incredible movies, dude. Yes, and uh, and and he's a great, and deservedly uh, so. He's a great action and yeah, all everything he does is amazing. Yeah. So yeah. but now but but that's he's, he's but, cowbell guy. But that's what not, and and I don't mean it in a bad way. But that but that's what it's done. That sketch has worked its way into the American psyche. I mean, it's yeah. you say more cowbell, people fucking don't even question that. They're like, oh, I know what that means. I'd love to say it was they're so great that people have to love them, but the truth is that they're good, and so they just get watched over and over and over again, and then everyone knows it. Yeah. And then that's when it becomes like... You think it's just the repeating of it? I think they're funny, for sure, but but the fa but like Debbie Downer being such a thing where people are like, you know, you watch television and characters are like, don't be a Debbie Downer. Yeah. You know, it's become such a part of the... The lexicon. The lexicon, so yeah. that... Um, that, yeah, so I, I do believe, and I was watching something yesterday where, where if you just watch, it's like listening to music. If you buy a new album, and you listen to it once, and you don't kind of like it, and you throw it away, you'll never listen again. But if you listen to it like three times, then you'll be like, I, this is like one of my favorite albums, dude. Right? Yes, a hundred percent. And what? Well, you know, I love Radiohead. I just keep listening to Radiohead. Keep listening to the old albums. Yeah, but I've done that with with albums that I knew weren't necessarily good from bands I liked. That put out a new album when they probably shouldn't have, and you're like, right. But I'm like, I listen to it once. I'm like, okay, you know this isn't that good. Listen to it five more times. Force it five, and then I'll be, like, ah, it's got some. I can the guitar here is not too, and I'll find <laughs> shit to like. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I did not like. Um, this is for Radiohead fans only. I did not like Amnesiac, which was the follow up to OK Computer, and Jimmy Fallon had a had a disc of it already before it came out. Ooh. And he's like, yeah, check it out. And he played for me, like, the rap part. It's kind of a rap kind of beat. Okay. It's, um... I'm not super familiar. The, the, it's called... I think it's called the, the Wolves. The Wolves are at the door. Okay. Then, uh... 
And I heard it, and it was like, right, like, oh, man, that sucks. I was so disappointed. And then, you know, later I bought the album, and I had to listen to it. Yeah. And I was in Germany doing Boat Trip, and I just, like, listened to it all the time. And then it became one of my favorites. I think it is my favorite of all their albums. Wow. Uh, and I didn't like it at first. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know. Well, also, that's just kind of a, <clears throat> I think it's important when it comes to subjective art that you give it a shot, maybe, because it's like when you, a TV show is like, oh, it didn't get the ratings in this spot, we're canceling it after a season. It's like, well, Seinfeld wasn't canceled after a season and nobody watched it. We had to become, we had to like care about the characters. You have to, you have to give stuff time to grow on people. Yeah. Music is no different, I feel like. If you put out a, an album and people are like, oh, I kind of... But like after you listen to it, you hear the nuances, you hear the different trackings, you hear all the other shit that's in there, and you're like, oh, yeah, I love this. Yeah. I just think people don't give things enough chance. Like, hear it once, like, bah, dismiss it. It's garbage. And like you said, if you Our do that... Our attention spans in general are so much shorter that it's just, yes. it's just shortening everything. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, you really have to kill really fast. And Yeah, but you better open funny, be funny, and then keep being funny, and then end funny. <laughs> that's why stand-up is so prosperous these days. It's just like, you know, just joke after joke. No, no, no downtime. No downtime. Don't. There's no setup. There's no well, setups are minimal. Yeah, I mean, when you say prosperous, you mean uh, so many people are watching it, or yeah, and so many many people are doing specials. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. popular. It's yeah. very popular. Yeah, because I'm like, prosperous would imply that anyone who's doing it is somehow <laughs> reaping in the yeah. Bill Burr money, which is not the case. Rolling in it. Uh, another another um, little bit of a behind the scenes question for you to see if you ever experienced this. Um, in all the your, your time that you were there, did you ever have guests that were either a un, without naming names, either a unlikable or just were not good at comedy? And how did you guys creatively? How, how does a, how does a creative person deal with that? Because show must it's the classic show still got to go on. This you person can commit them, to it. You just got to give them small parts and stuff that. You, you know, can, they could maybe you get laughs them up of. with. Yeah. And you got to goof them up. Because I'm assuming it does yeah. happen, right? So oh, yeah, it happens. Yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah. Especially when you have, like, a musical guest who they're really good musically, and then you're like, no, it's so great. You know, it's not really their thing, and yeah. it's, more of a, it's more of, like, a stunt casting kind of thing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm just enjoying that this pop star is trying to do well here. Yeah. And there are those pop stars that do both great. I mean, you know, like Justin Harry Styles, for instance. Oh, it's very Justin funny. Timberlake is a Justin classic Timberlake. example of a guy yeah. who... The, SNL has done that for me with a lot of people where I see them. And actually, Timberlake, I, I met with doing punked, but watching, um, like, The Rock. I didn't know too much about wrestling. And I saw The Rock on SNL, and I was like, oh, fuck, that guy can act. He can keep... He can hold it because he plays a character in front of a live audience every week. Like... It made me respect him even more. When you can host SNL and you're not like a cast member or a person that I know from comedy, and you do a good job, I have a lot of respect. Yeah, for that. like, that's, that's why I loved Alex Baldwin for so like long. That. And like, there are guys like Buck Henry wasn't really like a comedy guy. I mean, he wrote <laughs> fucking awesome, but he hosted ten times in the first five years, and some of the craziest, funniest fucking sketches that they had. Yeah. It was he just passed away uh, yeah. recently. Um, rest in peace. So and Terry Jones hilarious. too, which is a Terry Jones passed today. Today, yeah, yeah which is a true. I mean, I we, I I I personally I love Monty Python. Like I there I grew up watching a lot of it. Just the Flying yeah. Circus and PBS, right? And then it was on it, PBS, yeah. which is PBS was amazing. Dude. PBS had Monty Python, Faulty Towers, Ernie Kovacs, Faulty Towers, the two Ronnies, Dave Allen at large. 
Uh, am I missing someone? Oh, probably, but that's a pretty so good So we had list. a lot of good British fuck-around comedy. You had Benny Hill? Brilliant. Benny Hill was on Channel 32, not PBS. Oh, yeah. Benny Hill well, was... Benny Hill changed my life. Dude. Benny just, Hill was amazing. Just watching my parents watch Benny Hill was amazing. Like, with the whole there thing. Was, not, there was a, uh, I wish I could explain the three times I laughed hardest. One was watching Benny Hill. They were doing uh, this thing, the wheelchair races. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? Uh, maybe. And, uh... And Benny Hill's like, and then like, so it's all these wheelchairs. And one is like an old like army general that's in a wheelchair, and it's and it's played fast. And they're on a hill, and then the the fucking they do something. A guy gets cut off, and the wheelchair goes off a hill, <laughs> and just goes down like a hundred feet, like a cliff, like a cliff. <laughs> and when I first saw it, they fucking cut before he got up. So you assume he's dead, <laughs> and it's fucking. I was so. I laughed, so I'm like, that's so fucking dark, so hilarious. <laughs> the general just went over a fucking cliff and dies. <laughs> they just kill him off. But then he pops up, right? And then up, I've right? seen it again, and he pops up. Yeah. Like, oh, not as funny. <laughs> not as funny, but all right. So, yeah, Benny Hill was definitely an influence. PBS, awesome. PBS was a huge influence Dude, for amazing. a lot of people. All Chicago, you know, they just really, they have a really... Um, Words are escaping me, but they have a really good like um, understanding and, and love of of the culture of television. Yeah, there were a lot of television stations there that were you know seen all through the Midwest, and so I think that it was just a big town and a big. We got a lot of the good stuff when we were little. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, man. I uh, I, I guess I don't think about that too much. I kind of think that everyone had their own local stations and whatever. And, and then, they did, but have you seen like another yeah. bozo? Dude. It's the scariest thing in the it's, world. It's like a nightmare clown. It's like, it's yeah! like, yeah, it's like Gacy's home videos, you know? It's like, holy shit, this fucking Boston clown is a yeah, fucking they, monster. The bozo at least had some production value. Our <laughs> bozo was very charismatic and kind of joked with the parents and stuff. You know, he made kind of double entendres once in a while. He was a really funny guy. I think there were two bozos in my lifetime, or three maybe? Oh, Joey DiAuria, with all due respect, you know, blue chipmunks, as uh, Phil Hendry would say. What? <laughs> what? Well, you know, in the old days, you go, that fucking guy blows, but then that's kind of, you know, anti-gay, so now you just say, that guy fucking blows chimpanzee cock or something. Oh, okay. Because uh, yeah. bestiality is... So, yeah. Who was I talking about? The, one Bozo. of the bozos? The new bozo. I did oh, not I haven't seen it. But him. I was also, like, you know, fucking 17-year-old guy, so at that point... <laughs> You should be if I was out. a big fan of Joy Dioria, you, yeah, I, my parents would have sent me to a fucking therapist or something. Did you guys? I brought this up a little bit. Maybe you guys didn't hear me. And I don't know if you guys remember. Do you remember Sonus Fanguli? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I love Sonus Fanguli. I don't remember. He, I don't remember Sanguli because that was original before guy. my time. Yeah, yeah be the either. hippie guy. I don't know. I know of him, but I don't. I didn't know it. I only know of Son of Sven. I, I Son, thought yeah. there was no Sanguli. I'm so happy there that he's still alive. Oh. He's, which one? Son of Son of Sanguli. Yeah, he's on Twitter. And he, uh, he's on me TV now. Yeah. He still does. I had no idea. I, it's and like Elvira still week, does shit. Every Saturday, he plays a shitty movie and does his comedy, and, and it's amazing. You got to follow him on t- on Twitter. It's I really will now. I didn't know he was on Twitter. Got to be in his seventies, I'm guessing. Still wearing the stuff. But the funny thing is, is when I started following him, you know, like when you follow somebody, you'll see all their likes too. All he does is like hot chicks posts. That's hilarious. Yeah. Which is kind of like borderline creepy. Guy. But but also like he's like <laughs> probably doesn't understand Twitter and doesn't think you can see that. He had I uh, do that too, but I also hide have to the like, like I have to like a lot of people. Yes. I just like everything. Yeah, just like go, go across not the board. Are like this guy's a sicko. Yeah. But now that you can't see that, can you? On Instagram they're trying to take likes away, but I don't know. Twitter if that's, on Twitter. No, you seeing people 
looking at your shit. Or, oh, I don't know. I, or I, liking it. No, I yeah, like you that. get a group. I always get a thing on Twitter like so-and-so and so-and-so like so-and-so's so, tweet. Yeah. You should look at this. And it's like, what? <laughs> All right. But it's funny. You were bringing Schmeigel. So I, I Google it's funny because you can't, unless you have made TV, you can't see the stuff. And the only thing that came up was like, uh, the first thing that came up was uh, he triumphed the insult comic dog was on Spengoolie. Really? <laughs> Oh my I'm God. like, oh, I guess he's got... Was Schmeigel from Chicago? Yeah. He was. Okay, so uh, that's there you go. He's not from Chicago, but he went to college here, so he watched a lot of television in college. So he was yeah. very that, familiar so, with them. And speaking of Bozo, he did a uh, his first pilot for um, TV Funhouse, the show, the one with the animals and stuff. You know, His first attempt at doing a crazy show like that was a full, perfect parody of the Bozo show. Wow. From Chicago. He plays Bozo. Uh... It's on YouTube. Really? It's one of the best things ever made. Wow. And it's just a straight-up parody of the Bozo Show. And he does him perfectly. And all the bits in are so fucking funny and dark and pretty. It is a work of art. Wow. <laughs> uh, just Google Bozo, Robert Smigel. Yeah. Uh, TV Funhouse, maybe. And you'll see. It's just, And it looks creepy. It looks like it's filmed in the 70s. And he's got, like, a, a partner, like a Wizzo. Yeah, like a Wizzo or a cookie. Is, uh, uh, Stan Metopoulos. Who's that guy's name? Which? Stan Metopoulos. Stan Metopoulos. Are you talking about the real Wizzo? Or are you talking no, about I'm talking the, about the actor, the guy who was from Mr. Show, that that group of people. Um, oh, I can't believe I can't think of his name. Anyway, he was he plays like the Wizzo character, which is the second banana. Yeah. One of the second bananas. The yeah. cookie, cookie was and the Wizzo, actual yeah. second banana. Yeah. Wizzo uh, was... Yeah, Smigel's <laughs> shit, you know, yeah, Smigel... It's an amazing thing, and you watch it, and you're like, of course this isn't going to be on TV. It's how too can good. You, it's how too can good. you fucking just do the Bozo show again in a funny way? Yeah. And yeah. then that's the entire show. Please look it up. Yeah, definitely look it up. There's a lot of that kind of really good art that doesn't get doesn't get seen enough. Um, dude, thank you for uh, oh, yeah. doing the show, man. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. but Fun uh, times. Brian, you got any more questions? Well, I just we were talking off air about you ending up out here. But you had said that I, you you had family already out here before you ever moved out here. Is that is yeah? That my a, brother was out here. One of my brothers was out here doing um, trying to act, and he did. He was like on soap operas and shit. And now he's my brother's Carlos Sands. And now you'll see him like he was in that movie, the Strahan movie, where you, he can't stop moving. So, uh, oh, uh, uh, he, uh, uh, speed or no adrenaline? Uh, something like that. Pumped. Just <laughs> uh, making up. Math. Ford Momentum movies? Like Crystal, that. I can't remember, but yes, well, I, I remember that. My brother plays a drug dealer in that one, and he, and he gets typecast a lot, I was telling you guys. Uh, he plays a drug dealer a lot, but he's good, and he's great, and he's still doing good, and nice. we're all alive. It's nice to have family out in, uh, I, I'm assuming the rest of your family's Midwest-based? Yeah. Are they the typical, they mostly stay in there, you're one of the outliers? Your brother, You and your brother yeah, are the outliers? Yeah, pretty much we are, yeah. yeah. It's always interesting with the, with, I remember when I left, I'll still remember when I was like, all right, man. Well, we'll be seeing you later then. You're like, guys, we're, we'll st- we're still the family. Internet, there's other things. Like, we're still yeah. family. You know, I'm not Luke Skywalker leaving home after everything burned down. It's okay. We're, <laughs> we're all. We oh shit! What? We didn't even talk about the Mandalorian. Oh, Star Wars, dude. <laughs> Shit, dude, we have to have a part two. Dude, you're in the Mandalorian. That's right, you were. And I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I'm a blue alien. Blue, yeah, the first episode. And my my wife was like, I, "That is, that's got to be him." And I was like, "What?" And I kind of like leaned forward. And then by the time I got close enough, she had pulled it up and was like, "That's him." I was like, "Ah, oh. yeah." I had to be. I well, I think I think they would have probably not minded me tweeting about it, but I I knew that 
I'm not going to spoil it. For no, my, for my oh, friends. right, for my right, friends right. And fans, I didn't want to spoil it. Ah. And just having me show up on the Mandalorian, I thought would be pretty awesome. That is, dude. Was um, it fun? It was both fun and very tough. Really, uh, a lot the of makeup? makeup, a lot of time, but uh, but super. I mean, you know, yeah, those guys are so fucking brilliant. Um, and did uh, did Favreau Fellini of uh, Filoni? <laughs> did uh, Fellini too, but Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau. Yeah, he directed those, right? Favreau. Yeah, Favreau wrote. Oh, okay. Most of them in the first season, and he directed a couple of them. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. The Chicago guy, if I'm not mistaken, correct? he was. He's from New York, but but was with us at Improv Olympic. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's and cool. I, didn't know that got I, I I believe he was hired by Second City and got um, that football movie. Oh, him and uh, Vince Vaughn. That's him, where they met. No, no, right? him, and, him and Sean Astin did that. that blah, blah, blah. Rudy, Rudy. But, so he uh, left. Vince... He left to do Rudy. Yeah, and then he never came back. Okay. Because after Rudy, I think he's like, oh, I got to go out to LA and parlay this. So, but he left Second City, and I got that spot. Oh wow! No kidding. That's what I believe because I didn't get I didn't get called back with all my friends. I got called back the next day. So I figured that maybe that happened. Oh like, wow! He's not going to audition. He's not in there, so he got another slot. That's the way I saw it. And but Vince Vaughn is not a Second City guy, or was he? No, he was not. Okay, he's, not, he's okay. a Chicago guy, but he wasn't Second City. He was just straight at doing. Acting I think stuff. so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if that's where those guys had met. That's how they did all that stuff. That's interesting, though. That that may have been how you came in was through. It's such a small. It's so funny when you look back on stuff, and you and you're like, okay. can here, here, here. That's an. It it's gotta. Crazy. It's also gotta be cool to know that a lot of people that you 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 kind of grew up with and spent a lot of time with were able to make it. You know what I mean? And still be able to see them in a circuit. That's yeah. That in itself is just kind of fun in it. You know. And it's great for me because they put me in stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, dude, you, you pop up all over the place, man. Yeah, you were in great I, I, news, I think I saw you. In. Yeah, that's uh, all. Just buds did, are making it. That's and, awesome. You know, um, Tina Fey put me in great news. Oh, Thank you. Dude, very funny. I love that show. I was bummed when it got canceled. Yeah. It's um, big in England. What's that? <laughs> what's that? I hear it's a big hit in England. Really? Well, no. People are people watch it now on Netflix, I oh. think, more than they ever did on television. Oh, well, so that's it's, good. It's, it's got a little resurgence, but it's nice. We're not coming back like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or whatever. <laughs> uh, you got uh, anything coming up? No. Uh, uh well, oh, I do have like live stuff. I'm doing um, uh, a, like, uh, I'm doing uh, San Francisco San Francisco Sketch Fest. Oh, and then I'm doing uh, I'll be out in Austin for South by Southwest. Cool, a lot of fun improv. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun improv. Nice, dude. So both those festivals are really, really, really well run. Uh, the Sketch Fest is great, and South by Southwest is fucking awesome. It really, yeah. You have the poster of one of them. Yeah, I did. I did a Showtime. I performed on a Showtime. Did the when they did their first year of comedy from South by Southwest. I did stand up for them, and that's where I got. They gave me a couple of posters, and then I went to Sketch Fest in a sketch with a sketch group. Um, la- early or twenty. Yeah, last year. Yeah, 2019, early on. So that was, I mean, just a lot of fun. I haven't been for a while, so it should be fun. Yeah, you'll have a great time. I go Friday, but... So you still like doing live performance stuff. Like, some people try to move away from it over time, but you... Uh, You know, I've slowed down recently. I mean, I think it's because I was doing a podcast and because I was so busy. Luckily, I was busy. I was doing Black Monday and Star Wars at the same time. Oh, Black Monday, dude. God damn, that's a good show. So I was busy, and I wasn't doing my podcast, so I wasn't doing improv. But when I do my podcast regularly, I kind of feel like that's how I get my improv out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, but I have been wanting to go back to UCB and go back to Ask Cat. I might go back this year. Really? What's uh, what's your podcast? 
My podcast is just my friends hanging out, pretty much doing what we're doing right now. Perfect. <laughs> Except uh, you'll want to, we'll break into improv or, oh. you know, my, my my roommate's my producer, Chad Kruger, and he, he does a lot of, like, finessing and editing and putting music in. Oh, so nice. he hates himself. He likes to spend a lot of time on a computer. <clears throat> he does. He <laughs> hates himself, yeah. And uh, But he's good at it. So if you, if you want to listen, it's called The Who Ray Show, H-O-O-R-A-Y Show. Yeah. Kind of clever. Check it out. Check it out. It's a good one. Yeah, man. Well, thank you. This is a good one. Thank you, guys. Oh, I appreciate it, dude. I I didn't even scratch the surface. We focused. I almost broke this. We focused on SNL so much that. uh, Yeah, part two will be. uh, All your movies and all the TV and all the. All the festivals. But that happens. Baby though. Yoda. Yeah, you Baby Yoda. Yeah, I got to know what that guy was a dick. Um, <laughs> so cute. Who's the worst person you ever with? This Baby Yoda guy, a little bit of a fucking No, that was day one is when they showed me Baby Yoda. But that's Oh, really? Two. Okay. Part yeah, two of the Mandalorian teaser. years. There's a teaser. teaser. Yeah, teaser. Well, dude, thank you so much for uh, for doing the show. My pleasure, guys. Thank really you very much for having it. me. Uh, check out his podcast, guys, Who Ratio. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. 